Well, Jim McBride's version of Breathless was an extremely uh, uh, influential movie for me. Because I'm not saying it was the first movie ever to do this, but it was one of the first movies I'd ever seen. That, like, uh, um, you know, all the little scenes I had been writing up until this time had, you know, characters talking about movies and stuff. And then all of a sudden I go to the theaters, you know, playing at the Cinema Dome out here. I go to the theaters, and then here's a movie that is, like, indulging completely in all of my obsessions. Uh, comic books in the form of the Silver Surfer, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, rockabilly music, which I love rock and roll, but I particularly love rockabilly music, you know, in the form of Jerry Lee Lewis, and then in the form of Richard Gere's character. You know, his character is like one of the most like out and out rockabilly characters that there is, and also in the form of movies. All right, you know, not that the characters don't sit around and talk about movies all the time, but with the use of like uh, 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 obviously, you know, fake process shots going on behind him and everything, you know, throughout the whole film. The killer rock sound. Mr. Jerry Lee Lewis and his puppet piano. And then the way Jim McBride filmed it is he turned all of Los Angeles into like a, ba a back lot. But like this scene here, you know, just actually, just watching a scene set in front of a, 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 a phony backdrop, all right, that just hangs. As, as Richard Gere just like, just like takes over the screen and basically just sings along to a song and like that's good enough. And then also, if you add to the fact that in this movie Richard Gere's character is as close to unlikable as you could possibly be and you still kind of like the guy. You know, and um, I like that and stuff. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome back to the movie graveyard. You know the year 2023. And what is the year 2023? It is the year where Kino wins tonight. That's right. We're hitting you with some more heavy heart. We're, we're going even deeper. We're going into the recreation of ultimate French new wave Kino being turned into the ultimate American new wave Kino. That's right. We're talking about Richard Gere and Breathless, ain't we, Bat? That's right. And uh, this is a uh, Quentin. We should have invited Quentin Tarantino since he's like a podcast star now. Yeah, he I got a chance to listen. To do now, podcast. Yeah, I got. I got a chance to listen to that. What's it called? What's that podcast that he does now? I don't like, know. The fucking whatever archives, whatever. With yeah, Roger I Avery. listened to. I, I listened to one podcast. episode. I you know I enjoyed it, but he's like. Honestly, he's not anything different than like what I was starting out. He's like almost yeah. sounds like amateurish. Like Very if you want amateurish. like um, candid, candid Tarantino, just check yeah. out his pot movie podcast. And I don't even think he's he's not even fucking reviewed this film on there yet. No. But um, that's the, I think that's the first time I ever heard about this was Quentin Tarantino on that um, Hollywood Boy Wonder uh, uh, BBC Omnibus yeah. little documentary where he goes back to video archives and stuff and he's sitting in his little his little apartment that he hasn't come up yet from Pulp Fiction no. so he's kind of like he's got some money and shit but like he's like he's not living that high in the hog. Yeah, he's, he's probably you know, got two hundred grand in shit. the bank and rent is yeah. still probably like a thousand bucks a month so he's got to sparse it out you know. He's he's sitting there. He's got a big screen though, and he's got some of his favorite posters tacked tacked to the wall, like the band apart. And he's got his pet rabbit shitting on his couch. Yeah, that and, was uh, that was the apartment where he had Travolta come over and play the Welcome Back Cotter board game with them. 
<laughs> it is? Really? You never heard that story? <laughs> no. That's awesome. Like, because Travolta really wanted to do Pulp Fiction because he heard Tarantino was a hot up-and-coming director. Yeah. And, like, Tarantino's like, okay, I, like, I'll meet with you, John, but you got to come over to my apartment and play the Welcome Back, Cotter Borg. It's like, it's like okay, what That's else awesome. happened that afternoon? <laughs> Did somebody get a massage or, like, what happened? And then, and then when Tarantino won, he said, up your nose with a twirling lawnmower, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, but, the, yeah, that's the first time I heard about this. And then I think maybe, like, late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere around there, I saw it on, like, cable TV, finally. And uh, But, yeah, no, Tarantino sits there in a, with his big screen and stops the VHS and, like, breaks down uh, a scene we're going to be talking about here at the beginning where um, uh, Richard Gere's uh, heading cross country in the stolen car. Um, exactly. If you're listening to this commentary or you've tuned in, you've, I, I would hope that you've already seen this film. This isn't like new to you, but you know. 1983 breathless we're gonna get it rolling we have it on the original yeah. logo where it says an orion pictures release like it's one of those things where the, the logo is not silent you actually hear some radio chatter and some shit but um or actually it's not radio chatter it's a casino chatter but uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple different blu-rays of this out i have the original blu-ray bat has a new blu-ray but so we just pause there's it. three there's three baby there's three definitive releases um and uh we'll get into that we'll, we'll get play into this that, and, then, but yeah. and then we'll talk about which releases are we've got and yeah but yeah so yeah it says an orion pictures release i'm gonna say one two three go when you hear me say the word go please hit play on your remotes all right you ready bat yep one two three go all right getting off this pause screen for the last hour here we go so <laughs> right i had it on the for the last hour i had it on the menu or whatever so so let's talk about let's talk a little bit about what releases we we both have a different release here we sat here and like kind of debated Let's let's that. talk about Richard Gere though putting his beer oh, nuts into Richard the Gere bottle first. of okay. Lone Star beer though. Yeah, because because that's an old school trick. I never knew that. My dad taught me that when I was a kid when he would take me to bars. Oh, take the cap off. Yeah, you, well, yeah. I mean, I would do it in my soda, but he'd do it in his beer. You right. you buy the at the bars. They would have those little slim, uh, uh, you know, plastic packages of peanuts, and you tear it off and you dip them into your beer. And then you drink the beer, and then once you get to the bottom of the beer, the peanuts like roll out, and you chew on the peanuts. Huh. I never did. I never did that. Yeah, and it's just crazy that the movie starts out with Richard Gere doing it. It's such an old fucking thing because he throws like half his peanuts away, even like uh, yeah, because you're supposed to dump like half the peanuts in, and then you eat half the peanuts regularly. But he puts them all, and like I, from what I understand, it's supposed to to keep the foam out of the beer. And also, oh, because of the salt. Yeah, it makes some salty taste. Yeah, I haven't done. You know, I actually, actually kind of want to do that, but I have canned beer here, so I don't know if it would work as well. Got to take a couple drinks off of it yeah. to make some room. I think probably. you got to get some, uh, some giant breasts in this film. Yeah, <laughs> right we don't get to see these ones bare. No, so you just see so them bounce. Super. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I noticed in comparison because I managed to. Uh, have have a look at your transfer which you have the uh, shout factory yeah. um 2015 i believe so yeah release and recently fun city has come out with uh which is now out of print their convention print exclusive quick. release only 500 copies made <laughs> well they're i mean come on man they're a little company give them credit they didn't anticipate that this thing that they, they're gonna stay gonna a little company too shit. making 500 copies <laughs> 
Who, the Richard who's Gere movie? No, man. Like the, uh, I think they did probably five thousand or maybe ten thousand. I'm thinking probably more like five thousand because they only did two thousand with the the whack ass slipcover, and apparently that sold out like the first day of the pre-order going up. And I think they probably looked at that and went, why did we listen to Vinegar Syndrome on uh, doing a low run? We could yeah, have been like, like got to play the game. Fucking... Play the... Like, I knew yeah. the slipcover would be gone because when you were telling me, you got to buy this, goat, you got to buy this. I'm like, I'm like dude, they're going to make more. Like, why would they get the rights, make special features, and, mm-hmm. and make a couple thousand copies? Like, it made no sense. But it still hasn't came back. But, like, I don't know how Fun City, like, I'm not super, this is, this is the first release. I don't know. Do you have any Fun City releases? I don't think so. Like, I mean, I might have you one or something that I bought in, like, a big Vinegar Syndrome sale from their site. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You didn't You didn't get the Married to the Mob release, no, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. You could still get that. And I thought that one was going to go real hot. Probably they anticipated that one was going to go real fucking hot. Uh, I, I remember when that release came out, it was everywhere getting advertised. Everybody's like, oh, you don't even understand. Like they had that like artwork with the slipcover. They're like, look at this. It's so cool. I'm like, dude, it's always going to be married to the fucking mob. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think that they, maybe they anticipated that one doing. I thought it was going to do real well because, uh, you know, Dean Stockwell had just passed away here recently. And yeah. Um, I hipped you to that Turner Classic Movies uh, mid '90s extended interview that's on YouTube actually with Dean Stockwell, yeah, and they that. asked yeah. him, "Yeah, no, that's awesome too." If anybody's like wants to really listen to Dean, Dean Stockwell talks about like his early days when you were a contract player with the fucking studio and like they owned you and shit. Uh, that's how far back he dated, and he talks a lot about that. But then the interviewer asked him like what his favorite film was working on it. And he said, married to the mom, which I have yet. I've never seen it. I I've never, I've actually never seen married it's, to the mom. It's just it's like, like a studio comedy. It's basically like some yeah. Sopranos light shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's very lightweight fluff. Yeah. But I guess he had a really good time working on it. It was just experience of making that particular film. And he probably liked it. You know, he worked on some, on comedies and stuff in the past. So, um, but yeah, I think they didn't anticipate Breathless was going to do so fucking well. And like, I don't know, I was kind of surprised. Like, I lo- I knew it was coming out. Rookie move. And, and I wanted it. And um, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to wait, like you said. And then I went on there and it was like 140 copies left. And I'm like, uh, better jump on this now. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Which, I so, mean, I, honestly, bad. I understand your position, but I was already sitting yeah. on the release. The you already previous, got it. Yeah. Right. I, I do want the special features, but I'm like, I'm not rushing to pay full MSRP. But we got to talk about the movie opens up with Richard Gere. He steals this <clears> old <throat> Porsche from a Las Vegas casino. He has yep. a hooker helping him out, keep a lookout to make sure that the guys who own the Porsche aren't coming back out. He, he's reading Silver, Silver Surfer yeah, comics, Silver Surfer. which that, well, that's yeah. really what t- got Tarantino hard about this. But we got to talk about this this shot of him driving through like the night, With whatever. The, uh, rear projection. Rear projection. It's beautiful. Like this scene oh, in particular, yeah. the rear, rear And I'm just kind of like, you know, obviously we wouldn't have like 35 millimeter cameras, but if like we made like an independent movie now, like could we like recreate these shots with that red background? Well, like could it look that I cool? tell you right now, that's like what I would like. And okay, so it's a stylist. I think what's going on here because um, there's a uh, commentary on here with um, I did listen. I've tr- I went through everything. The commentary is actually not with Jim McBride. The commentary is with. Um, Glenn Kenny, a film critic or whatever. I don't know who the fuck he is. But anyway, he's like one of the ones that kind of just goes through like all the facts. And he points out 
you know, not all of the driving scenes have this rear projection. And I was like, yeah, that's right. The, why that there's only two scenes with the rear projection of this early scene where he steals the Porsche and then like, oh, oh there's a later scene um, when he's driving with uh, what's her name? What's the actress's name? I'm sorry. Valerie Kapersky. Valerie Kapersky, That one's yeah. really phony looking, though. Like, right, Well, that's because it's during the day. Yeah. Um, but the reasoning, I want to point out, the reasoning was um, because we see that a lot in these French New Wave films. Obviously, they did it to save money. And they couldn't afford to, like, shoot on location and stuff like that. So they did this. And, of course, we get that during, like, that's old Hollywood yeah. style too as well but that carried over into the new wave so i feel like um it's jim mcbride's nod to i haven't seen the original but i would only assume that it probably has rear projection shit well, the, if they're the, that's driving. why tarantino when he was when tarantino was low budget on reservoir dogs they had to put the cars on the trailer and pull them around but when he got right. the money on pulp fiction he he did such obvious rear screen projection that he even made the backgrounds black and white in some of the scenes but, and he does it in Kill Bill too. It's it's he's doing it stylistically for homage thing, you know. Like he can afford even on even on uh, you know his lowest budget film, which was Reservoir Dogs. He could he could afford to to be on location and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, but yeah, no, it's totally a stylistic thing. So like, yeah, if I ever made a film, obviously I'd want to because I just love the look of rear project, like the rear projection shit, just like as this like weird hyper reality. Oh, it's is, beautiful. Uh, There's yeah. actually one of my favorite scenes is um uh from that movie Three Thousand Miles of Graceland. There's an awesome fucking scene with Kevin Costner with rear screen pre- and also Once Upon a Time in Mexico. There's an awesome one with Johnny Depp where he's got that little roadster car. It's very similar to Breathless, like a red background. But we got to talk about Richard gear he was just being dumb in that porsche if he would have drove normal he would have got to la no problem but yep. he started doing some dumb shit trying to swerve around trucks and doing shit so a cop saw him chased him and then like it was like really weird because i was like fucking with my fruit snacks and i missed it when he shot the cop he just picks the the gun up and it like, goes off I, it I goes off but you goes have to accidentally yeah you have to like yeah. kind of in your mind because they don't show it clearly you have to kind of understand it, it went off it went through the back window of the porsche like well, never... it's really abrupt jump yeah, cut. It it's is. weird. It just cuts to the glass already broken, and then you and hear you a sound see effect. You don't fire it, though. Like, it's not no. like he grabs it. Like, he just picks it up, and then you hear a gunshot, and then the cop is dead, like, outside. So, like, right. the bullet would have had to gone through the Porsche, through the back window, and hit the Like, talk about a magic fucking shot of, like, not even aiming it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like the bullet that killed Kennedy. It really is. <laughs> Back into the left. Tarantino, that's what he was doing with that big screen on that documentary. He's, he's like, no, see when Richard Gere shoots, he got back into the left. Back into the left. It's like you really have to put your mind's eye to work to understand how Richard Gere shot this cop accidentally. Right. I think that's what maybe Quentin Tarantino's. I don't know, you know, this is like, he, he, I mean, this, other than, like, rear projection, which you could say, you know, oh, okay, like, how many fucking films of the 1950s did that? I mean, that's, yeah. like, Psycho has rear projection shit in it. Like, just about, they did shoot a little bit on location, but most of the driving in Psycho is rear projection, too, as well. Um, a lot, I think a lot of Alfred Hitchcock's stuff is all rear projection. Yeah. But that was common. But other than that, like... I don't see any influences in Tarantino's stuff from this film and him being so, like, uh, blown away by it. Yeah. He didn't really steal anything stylistically from I, it. I kind of see this, though. Like, I really like that. This like, one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the movie is where when he literally runs to L.A. from the Mojave Desert. 
And um, he, I like that scene where he gets in. It's like it looks like it's probably five o'clock in the morning. It's like early morning. Like the streets are empty as fuck. Cause like oh, when he goes to get the newspaper. Yeah, because right? Boo even yeah. said because she's from LA. She's like, when did they like what time of day would they have shot this where the street was so? Because it looks like night of the comet shit. It's so fucking empty. Right. But um, I like that shot and like this where he goes and sneaks in the apartment. It kind of reminds me of Butch sneaking back into his apartment in Pulp Fiction, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. Later in the film, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's some influences, and then, like, Tarantino seems to be more, uh, he's not really a Jerry Lee Lewis fan like Jim McBride mm-hmm. is, he's more of an Elvis man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, different different Southern boy, but pretty much, like, and I mean, you know, I got respect for Jim McBride, because, like, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis really is the real talent of yeah. the two, being, being a piano player and be able to do all that fucking crazy shit while fucking jamming on a piano, like, come on. We gotta talk about this, though, like, like uh richard gear finds this picture of this girl that he likes he breaks into her apartment he finds a picture of her and her teacher her professor college professor who's fucking her and there's this shot of them in front of this castle it's supposed to be disneyland that is not the disneyland castle that doesn't look anything like the disneyland castle <laughs> well i've only been to disney world yeah. so i don't even yeah, yeah. but i mean is it's that just what's so like there? that was looked like a fucking like a chinese castle painted white it was weird well when i first saw this film like i didn't even i remember my um I didn't even really know that this, like, really what was going on or, yeah. like... Because the, there's that not he, a lot going on. It's like... I, I thought, when I first saw this film, I thought he just, like, randomly broke into some chick's fucking apartment yeah. and, uh... You have to watch closely because in Las Vegas he has the matchbook that has her name, number, because, like, it, it, you really... Oh, they, they really don't tell you at this point. I missed the, that on even here. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's like he's holding and... the matchbook and it's kind of, like, folded, but you just see the, the name Monica and the phone number in there. Okay. And it's, like, they put it together later that you know he lives in las vegas or at least he was there for a while yeah you know, pulling well, crimes we get and that shit. when they when they talk when their dialogue when they come when the dialogue scene comes up but i, I also thought too when i first saw this uh because you remember the stuff where like he passes those guys at the college and they're talking yeah. about her like, oh she's hot everybody everybody knows that like well they even say she's fucking all the teachers so like everybody knows well i still like when i first saw this i still thought he was like some kind of like weirdo and was like Hey, I just broke into this girl's apartment. I'm gonna track. Like, I literally didn't know what the fuck was going on until they until they start talking and you get that they know each other. Yeah, I'm like, had like a one is this guy some kind stand. of like yeah. creep, like rapist type or something? Well, he, when this girl he's driving around? through the desert, he's singing like "Me and Monica going to Mexico." Yeah. But I didn't. I never caught that matchbook thing at all. Yeah. Like, I didn't know you you got that foreshadowing. Yeah. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this film, though. Like, it's real subtle. I obviously didn't pick up on the matchbook thing. Um, I did catch the you know on later viewings. I did catch the Monica stuff where he's singing that. But yeah. um, I gotta say, I want to get his both his outfits in this movie. When it, like, if I can get slimmed down enough, I want to fucking like get some outfits like these. Get a these, shirt with the ruffles. Yeah, these are like yeah. cool fucking outfits and some pants yeah. like that. Like he looks cool yeah it's like movie. old school it's be like uh what you'd you know you'd wear the shirt and you know t- you'd have a tie with it it's like and stuff. the shit it's like, guys it's actually like a groom yeah. it looks like a groom like what a groom and a yeah. at a wedding or like um a best man would have uh he would have those shirts obviously it would be like not that red yeah but like, he, uh, like he's literally got pimp clothes on in this i know right um, so I want to talk a little bit. We were talking uh, earlier about American Jiggle. Like he, I'm not a huge Richard Gere fan. I got to state that I'm really not. I don't really like Richard Gere. And um, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, 
Jim McBride's experience too with this fucking guy uh, trying to cast him even at this point. This but, fucking, um, he, what, you think he was a Buddhist creep already back then, Richard Gere? No, he just thought he was like he thought he was fucking like the studios were like letting him be like fucking the egomaniac like control like. He was on some, like, uh, I picked the director pro anyway. But, oh, I want to talk about, like, I, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really a big fan. Never was a big fan of Richard Gere. I always thought he was, like, fucking overrated during the 90s when I was growing up. I was just like, oh, this fucking guy, like, <laughs> I got to watch this fucking guy in some bullshit. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Uh, but there are a few films. American Gigolo is, like, a hard hitter. Uh, obviously this, and there's, uh, another film that he did in 78. He's not the star of it, but he's got a big, pretty big part in it. It's, um, uh, looking for Mr. Goodbar. Have you seen that before? I know. I'm like, I'm aware of the movie, but I like, unless I saw it when I was a kid or something, I don't really know it. Yeah. Dude, that's one. Like, I mean, we, that's some Kino right there. Like if we could ever, I don't know. I don't think it's out. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray. Um, I've only seen like the DVD of it or whatever, but mm. yeah, if like we could, you know, that one's a hard hitter and like, I don't really want to give, cause if I gave it away, like I'd give the ending away and like everything, I don't really want to give that away, but like, yeah. I don't know. He's like super, like if you think he's kind of crass, yeah. and rough around the edges in this when you see his character in that you're gonna be like okay that's like that's like a this is a toned down version of that fucking character like um very very similar actually but american gigolo um it's kind of a nice mix of this character and like his later like lady friendly like oh he's he's such a nice guy but, he's but... just like a dreamboat. I mean, you know? once, yeah, it's like it's like I know Officer and Gentleman was a huge thing, but like really, I mean, that I can think. There's a few. I have a couple Richard Gere movies. You know, just happen to be movies that I like. Like I like the remake of The Jackal. I like Primal Fear. They just happen. I never to, saw Jackal. Happened to star Richard Gere. Jackal's really good though because of Bruce Willis, not Richard Gere. But um, but yeah, like like I mean to me, like I kind of always felt like Breathless was Richard Gere's like last good role. Like to me, he peaked with American Gigolo in this, you know. Yeah, no, um, you know this is great, American Gigolo. Yeah, it does seem like he did. I mean, <laughs> you know, pay wise, this probably isn't even close to the peak. You know, Amer yeah. uh, Officer and a Gentleman. I don't know. Like, no, I mean, he, was he got more 90s, money in the 90s you know? starring in bullshit like Red Corner yeah. or whatever the fuck he was in. That's what I'm saying. That garbage stuff yeah. that he was like clearly like faking like he was a sensitive that, male that type. That medieval night movie with him and Sean Connery. I bet he got his biggest payday ever for that bullshit. I never even watched that. I, I wouldn't even watch it. I remember seeing the trailer in the theaters like a teenager and being like, what is this fucking horseshit? So uh, we got to talk about... Um, so, uh, Ellen Kit Carson, who you're a big fan of Chainsaw 2, is the writer on that. Yeah, he's good. I'll co-write this, right? Uh, I fucks with Ellen Kit Carson. Right. So, he's passed away. Uh, uh rest in now. peace, so the, Kit. Yeah, R.I.P., sir. But, um, he, so he's not on the extra features. He probably would have been. But apparently, um, him and Jim McBride were, like, good <laughs> friends and, like, um, they worked together on like uh, McBride's first film, I think in like 68, 69 is like a couple of his first film, the first, you know, early works is like in late sixties and the seventies. So they were good friends. And, um, but they had written this script and was like shopping it around for a while. And originally 
they were like talking to De Niro for this role, actually. Uh, and De Niro was like, I really like this script. I want to do it and stuff. But he kept like giving him a runaround. And I can't remember who they talked to. I can from, see De Niro uh, doing it, but not with the rockabilly <clears throat> shit, not with the Jerry Lee Lewis shit in it. You know what I mean? Well, it wasn't even that. The problem was they kept like giving him a runaround for like two. Like they shot, they were trying, they had this script and trying to like shop it around for like five years, McBride said, right? And uh, what happened was, is like, yeah, they had De Niro and, um, oh, yeah, it was Paul Schrader uh, worked, worked with them on something or other. Anyway, he's like talking to, and he knows like Scorsese too, you know? And he's like, what's going on with De Niro and stuff? And they're like, Look, he's coming off a fucking uh, raging bull, and like he gained a shit ton of weight. I guess he really. I thought they just put him in a fat suit. That last scene in Raging yeah, Bull, he not, literally he put, put that, that weight, weight on, dude. Yeah, yeah, so he was like fat as fuck, trying to like get this weight off, and he really wanted to do this film, he but was he was like too me fat. Right now. Yeah, yeah, he was too way too like fat for it, and he was embarrassed. He probably didn't want to leave the fucking house. Me, 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 like, and, me and De Niro, we're. we're jake lamato mode we're trying to get out of this fat suit that we're wearing so uh you know so they started shopping it around and i think there was like another studio that was like gonna do it with um de niro attached but then when basically it was like de niro wasn't attached they're like yeah no goodbye and like yeah i think he could have got the funding with de niro in like an afternoon you know what i mean that's yeah that's what it was so then they get richard gear tied to the project and richard and they're like yeah, uh, somebody says, like, yeah, you know, Richard Gere's going to do it, but uh, Jim McBride, he's not doing it with you. So, like, look, just take, you guys just need to take the writing credit, take a hit, yeah. let someone else direct it. So, at that point, and then he's like, finally, like, uh, and I think this goes on for like a year with Gear, and he's, yeah, he's basically like, I ain't working with him. Like he ain't. He doesn't have any real credits under his belt. He's switching which he did. Uh, big gen- uh, officer and gentleman balls. Yeah, he's got some fucking ego. Like he can call the shots and like, or if I'm attached to this, I get to pick the director. As a matter of fact, I'm directing. You know, yeah. shit like that. He didn't say that, but he just said Jim. Which McBride is stupid because nobody else could have directed this movie just as good. Like this movie's a fucking classic, dude. Like watching it again last night, and this is probably like my third time watching it all the way through throughout the years you know what i mean yeah and i'm just like this movie's a fucking like it's just such a blast to watch you know like i was watching oh, with, yeah. i was watching with boo and it was her first time watching shit and it, did but, she like it it's like she like she was into it and i wanted her to watch it because she was like you know before i met her especially she was all about the rockabilly scene that was like her life oh really yeah so and, she should she should have really loved yeah it that's why i thought she would love it but like at the end like she just got annoyed by like how much of a palooka richard gear was like how pointless it, like if he would have been like more like all about the girl and actually in love with her i think she would have liked the movie more but like yeah she's like towards the end when richard gear is kind of like just getting frustrated not giving a shit about the girl you know because the whole movie he's just like i'm so hot for you baby you gotta run away with me i'll, I'll come on oh <laughs> and then at the, at the end he's just like he's just yeah like, whatever yeah. I don't think he's a romantic. Yeah, that's the that's the difference. Like, I'm be honest with you, a little little behind the curtain here. I'm not really. A, I'm not. I've had a bunch of girls be like, "You're not really romantic type," and it's like, yeah, you know, like I'll I'll, I'll buy you flowers, baby. I'll take you out to dinner, but like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna write you like a a, a poem. I gotta say, I I um, really well, am, but it's like it's only in my older <laughs> years. You know what I mean? Like when I was in my twenties, I was just like, you know 
didn't give a fuck. It was just, right. Like, like, well, uh, that's what I see. So I get that with like his character here is he's not really a romantic or if he is, he's kind of like rough around the edges, like crass, like he'll go and go over to someone's fucking yard and steal a flower out of someone's flower bed. Yeah. Like he won't go buy, he's not going to yeah. spend money on no. you. <laughs> Like, does I he, mean, he that, that's how it is, though, when you're young and you're slinging thing. dick, baby. You, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be romantic. Like, now, like, if I was on the dating market now, I'd have to be real romantic at my age. Right, because you're older. Yeah. You know, you got to get creative I'm and getting shit. gray hair, yeah. baby. I got to get creative. I got to hit the gym. I got to get creative. <laughs> I can't just be like Richard Gere on the street here bopping around, right. putting his hitchhiking right. thumb Getting a ride like, in yeah, this badass van. I mean, we talked about no. this a little bit on Nightcrawler, dude, but, like, when I was in my, I guess, I, mid to late 20s, when I first hit L.A., you know, fucking girls paid to go out with me. Like, that's not going to be the case now. <laughs> You're like, I was a sex machine, baby. I mean, I really wasn't, because I wasn't really, you know, but like, I was a party boy, but, like, you know, yeah. I was trying to avoid uh, having children at a young age, put it that way, but, like. It know, worked out for you. Yeah, it did. Sort of. Um, yeah. Now you got all that extra income to buy fucking Blu-rays that you or it's going to take you years I could, I could, to watch. I could be playing for preschool right now, but instead I'm fucking ordering copies of Cabin Boy from Kino Lorber. <laughs> That's been out a minute, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. But, but, but yeah, by, by the way, I, I actually like that really abrupt cut of like Richard Gere getting the clothes and talking to the kid on the street. And then it's like, so, <laughs> it's a so abrupt cut to the girl's apartment and this piano. Like, I was like, was there a spice missing there, or something? Like, it's just like... With her... Uh, there's a lot naked of... Naked like, rubbing the, the, the ice the, over her breast. Yeah, right? rubbing Keep the cool. ice on her nipples yeah. and stuff. Get, like Literally you preparing totally for the scene. This was written and directed by a man. This yeah. is not... As it should be. This is, this is not is a that Kathleen what, Kennedy production. Yeah, does women... Do women really sit around in their hot apartment rubbing fucking uh, ice cubes on their nipples you need to ask they probably do they probably do now because here's the thing there's a lot of parts of la and i'm guessing this apartment was like this there's a lot of parts of la because there's always breeze and shit where like believe it or not like people never had ac and shit and like now they need it it's like so like there probably are a bunch of girls rubbing ice cubes on their nipples now in los angeles because of uh you know, not to get uh, too political here, but uh, let's just say weather has gotten hotter the last few years. Yeah, I'll just leave it. Oh with that. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to speculate on no, what's causing the weather. No, we don't. We don't want to ruin weather. somebody's day here by talking about. You know, <laughs> I'm not a meteorologist. You're not a meteorologist. But shit, shit's hot. <laughs> We're sweating out here. Balls are sweaty. Is it hot right now? Is it really heated up for you guys now? Is the it, summer on? It's 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 actually the opposite. Normally it would be like 80 degrees here, and like now it's still cool. It's still in the 50s. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And you're in Northern California, yeah, in Northern, too, so it's a little different. I and, love this uh, shot, though, of her next to the Wax Museum oh, yeah. bus stop. And like did, just is how... that, did that still exist uh, when you're living in L.A.? Because uh, yeah, I, I, I went to it. That's a famous one, right? Yeah, I, like, yeah, that I went one's to in, it. Um, uh, what's that movie? Uh, the Kid and Play movie they go there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't. You know, when you see it in the movies, though, and they go inside, I don't even know if that's the like. I think that's like a set. Is that okay? But yeah, I, was like, I mean, when, when I place. went, when I went, it was I actually went with my mom and the girl I was with at the time. The three of us went, and it was like, oh geez, probably oh five, oh six when we went. So it was just all the current like lame celebrities. It wasn't like they had Clark Gable and shit. In oh, there they had. So they rotate them out. Yeah, so, they so just get you know because you know you want people to keep buying tickets, baby, and uh, you need. Uh, what did they do with Clark Gable? They must have rolled him down. They melted face, him you know? down or shaped him into <laughs> fucking some, some other actor. Tom Cruise. He's Tom <laughs> yeah, Cruise. Clark now. Gable became Tom Cruise. Yeah. 
<laughs> awesome. They turned him into Mel Gibson from Maverick. Yeah. So they got the uh, yeah. Well, speaking of Mel Gibson, I need to see like Mad Max fucking in character fucking wax display yeah. there. It's so weird. Like I'm trying to think of you who was there because there's probably some pictures of me in there somewhere. Probably on somebody's... Quentin Tarantino's probably there. Yeah, he's got to be right. I don't think so. No, he's not even no. the hot the hot no. thing now. It's like uh, Tom Holland now in a Spider Man Spider Man fucking I costume, could, right? I could be wrong. I could, I could be misremembering because I went to. Uh, oh, here's some great reproduction. Oh yeah, we got this. I thought there well, was a Linda like Blair purple-ish. from Exorcist, but yeah. my transfer. This looks like purplish in the background. Like I don't know if the yeah, it's got a little if, bit of tint, but it's just obviously yeah. And and like they're bouncing up in the car. Like they're like, this is intentionally stylized to be fake. Like the car is bouncing right. so much, and like he's not even pretending to look at the road. He's just fucking screaming and whipping his head back and forth and they're on a windy road so like they would die so fucking quick look this, at him he never this, looks at the road once he's closing his eyes singing along is, to the music is that muholland no is that, it that looks, is muholland isn't it, it might you know it very well might be it looks but, really windy but it, like, it, but... it yeah but it, the footage is so grainy i guess maybe i was gonna say it was pch but you can't see the ocean so it might be muholland oh uh, yeah you can you can see it around that one I don't know where yours. I know we started it, but sometimes yeah. we're like a millisecond off. What happened to the blue pen, suit you had in Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> I like how this... she, she also asked him about how he's like got the yeah. different cars every time, yeah. and it's like you have a lot of cars. You... It's like it's, it's like bitch. Like every car you get in, there's a screwdriver sticking out of the ignition. Like what do you think's going on? <laughs> Perfect woman. Perfect. Woman. That was yeah, another, that was another you... thing that bothered Boo. She was like, "The girl's so dumb." I'm like, "Well." <laughs> That, that, that's a man's fantasy what can i say yeah she's so in love with him yeah. hypnotized by him you know once you you know once she finds out later on that like he killed that cop and shit yeah. and she's still like i'm with you baby just <laughs> like yeah well what's weird is before she if you really pay attention to it bat when by the way i love this doghouse restaurant this is like the coolest fucking place i don't Does know if it still exist? exists but I, I don't think so i think i looked yeah. it up a few years ago when i got the blu-ray and it was like it's so seedy inside. But yeah, like if you notice, like she's really yes. like not that sure about him. Like she won't even have sex with him at first. And right. it, it's really more when she finds out he's wanted by the cops and shit, then she starts like opening her it, legs. It's her wow, like real wow. And then he starts acting like a jerk and she calls him a two fod or where the fuck the French word is. And um yeah. Cause like she gets turned on when he takes her to the seedy bar. She's like, Oh, it's sinister. Oh, I like it. And is dancing with her Mex his Mexican friend and shit. Yeah. Like and that's the thing too. Like all of his connections are like uh, Hispanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Leguizamo, eat your heart out. What are you fucking? John talking Leguizamo about, dude? was like, I was in eighth grade when they made this movie, but I should have been playing the forty year old bookie at the back of the bar. That would. Been... <laughs> that, He's that... like, no, I should have been playing uh, Richard Gere's character. Yeah. How come they won't let me be Richard Gere? I know right. he's handsome and suave as him. God, he got his career when Richard Gere was like on the fucking at the peak. He he yeah. would have had no problem doing a movie where Richard Gere played a fucking Mexican. He would be like, oh, I get to I get to top billing with Richard Gere. Oh, okay, sounds good. If if only in the early '80s somebody could have made a movie with uh, Richard Gere and Charles Bronson as uh, Mexican desperados. <laughs> I've watched that. That sounds fun. Here we get the uh, flamboyant guy Bruce Valanche, who's known as a real famous comedy writer. Um, he he plays a guy, literally guy with a purse. I think is his character's name. 
in this film? Yeah, he he's right behind Gear, and the Gear robs him, like in the oh, bathroom, because yeah. because Gear realizes he ain't got he's only got a dollar, he can't pay for his girlfriend's tacos here. Which like I don't even think why he cared because he stole the food from the waitress's fucking thing anyway. But um, he, yeah, like he when he robs that guy, like Bruce Valanche even screams, Get, "Let go! That's my purse! That's my purse!" Like it's almost like a weird camera bag, but yeah, he he screams that it's his purse when he robs him here in a second. Yeah, most of the time, guys that had those little bags are like had like cocaine in them or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he looks yeah. like a seedy drug dealer, Bruce Valanche. Right. Yeah. But Bruce Valanche was like one of those guys. Like I think he just did a lot of comedy writing for TV shows and, and uh, comedians. But he was on Hollywood Squares a lot. That's right. He still is, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. I don't know if that hey, show's hey, still on. Hey, give me on. back that purse. Yeah, I didn't. Now that you're bringing it up, I didn't even realize I was the same fucking guy. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I mean, he's kind of younger. Like when he got older, yeah. his afro got bigger and more blonde. Like he saw his dark oh, yeah. hair in this movie, but no, he tries to like poof it out on fucking yeah. Hollywood Squares, dude. He's, he like he's kind of in the mold of uh, what was the fucking guy that that was real crazy? Um, that was always throwing the confetti and shit. Was always oh, in the Jackass movies. Uh, oh yeah. Um, I know who you're talking about. He passed away here. He not did. Too Rip long Torn. Ago, yeah. No, Rip, Rip Torn was the no, actor. No, not I'm sorry. Uh, his name's um, something Rip. Though. Yeah, it's like Rip something. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. Not Rip Torn, but Rip Torn's. Rip Torn's such an obvious fake stage name. I don't know how Rip Torn got away for 40 years. I like this I part because he robbed the guy of his purse, and then he's like, "Come on, baby, we got to get out of here quick." And she's like, "But what about my taco?" <laughs> <laughs> And then if I was Richard Gere, I would have ad loved the line. Don't worry, I'll take care of your taco later, baby. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of ad lib scenes where people's uh, backs are to the camera and they're saying shit. Like, I don't yeah. know if you caught it, but early on when he went to that uh, gold coin place or whatever, that foreign guy was like, come in the back, uh, we got the check for you. That dude, like, never faced the camera. There's only one <laughs> line where you could see his mouth moving. The guy had, like, eight lines of dialogue, and they were all with his back to the camera, and it was so obviously dubbed. Okay, so, yeah, that's the issue. They didn't have enough money, or they ran out of money or whatever, probably because they paid Richard Gere so much, yeah. honestly. And well, they, they probably had to, to like, bring... shoot lots of extra takes because he was probably being a dick the whole time and, like, fucking up shit, well, you know? Oh, that's what I want to talk about. So Jim McBride's like, let me meet with him because so to fucking – because Jim McBride obviously directed the film, and it was sounding like Richard Gere was going to get out of his way, and then um, Jim McBride's like, well, let me meet with him. And I guess he was like – he said that, like, uh, what was he? He was, like, kind of, like, standoffish when he first met him and was kind of, like, weird, uh, Richard Gere was. But then they started hanging out and stuff and got to know each other, and then he was chill with him. Okay, like, maybe he showed him a couple of his early student films, and he was, like, and then kind of told him what his vision was, and Gear was probably like, okay, I think you can handle this. Like, But, yeah, he literally had to, like, push hard to meet with gear to get him to agree to let him direct the fucking movie i'm, I'm really um, curious what made was was there like a thing with scheduling where gear was like if i'm going to make this i gotta make it with this director now this is great i don't driving know here i just don't think gear he had any faith and he, he didn't have any faith in jim mcbride because he said they they were basically pushing that he'd never done anything which wasn't true him that he had done like three fucking feature-length films they weren't big films or anything like they were student films and like really smaller budget him and uh kit carson mm. but like they he'd actually done like two or three features uh let me look let me bring up his i guess while you're doing that here. bad i just want to point out if this if this uh super modern downtown la um 
Yeah, where is this? Uh, this looks uh, familiar. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the same uh, hotel that's featured uh, in, the, in that Johnny Depp movie, Nick of Time, with Christopher Walken that I covered about a year ago. Oh, really? Yeah. There's something else though from the. 80s oh, there's a lot of shit. That, yeah, in. but even when they get in the elevator here, it looks rear projection because, like in the Johnny Depp movie, when they get in the elevator, like you can tell it's the real. You know, they're just going up and down the elevator and the thing. But yeah, even this elevator is re- gets rear projected. That's weird. Why, I, I, I like, like the, the rear projection though. I feel like it, it adds a dreamlike quality to the movie. So uh, Jim McBride did a movie called with. Uh, I think this was with Kit Carson, uh, David Holzman's Diary. Mm. Then he did uh, a film called My Girlfriend's Wedding in 1969. Then he did Pictures from Life's Other Side in 71. Oh, wait, no. He did a shit. He had a bunch of films. Glenn and Rhonda in 1971. And he did this film called Hot Times in 1974. All before Breathless. So, like, I don't know where these fuckers thought he didn't really do anything. What do you mean? And he and he kept working too because I'm pretty sure he did that because I thought I just saw it on the Kino sale. I think he did that movie Big Easy with uh, yeah. Oh, was that in the Kino sale too? Yeah, I think it was like down the man. Box. You keep because I've been want I've never seen Big Easy and I'm like yeah. okay. I haven't I'm seen it since I was a kid. I'm a huge uh, Great Balls of Fire fan, and uh, but I'm like, well, Big Easy must be in this trio of like this vibe because. Great Balls of Fire has got this Jerry Lee Lewis. I'm just wondering if Big Easy has the same kind of vibe. Dude, I remember when era. Great Balls of Fire came out, looking in the the advertisement, you know, the newspaper for the movie times, and it was like a Fourth of July movie. It was like, oh, celebrate Fourth of July with Great Balls of Fire with Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, Jerry Lee, the killer, Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis is gonna fuck his uh, niece. Yeah, hit, hit, hit the theaters and uh, right. see him marry his 14 year old cousin. <laughs> You know that's got Joe Bob. That's an early uh, performance of Joe Bob Riggs. Yeah, I thought he was in it. Yeah, he's um like a reporter or whatever. Like yeah. after the story breaks that he like married his niece or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's there trying to like which, interview him. Which, or in all honesty, wasn't really that big of a deal back then. I don't. I think it was. Okay. I really think it was. And she was thirteen, not fourteen. Okay. Yeah. But um, I mean, Elvis I think it really was Priscilla's but... super young too, right? Yeah, but I think she was like I think the I think that it was more acceptable to be like sixteen, seventeen, which I think she was. Uh, whereas like this girl was like not even in just like in middle school. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, apparently, uh, not to get off topic too much, but uh, apparently uh, Jerry Lee Lewis really didn't like Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> like, he, he approved, I mean, if, if it was uh, made about my life, I wouldn't like it either. <laughs> He approved the, right, and I'm wondering if it was, like, because it was just, like, not a fluff piece or whatever, and it was, like, real or whatever, he didn't like it, but I guess he really liked Dennis Quaid's performance, and um, he approved the soundtrack and everything, Mm. and he was involved, I guess he just didn't like it, I don't know, but he really liked Dennis Quaid's fucking performance as him, and I think he um, was involved in picking dennis quaid for the casting like or he had some kind of input with uh jim mcbride because jim mcbride is like working with him you know uh, it's a biopic yeah. um <clears throat> but yeah, yeah great- i mean I, I don't know these early jim mcbride flicks but i don't either he directed seen- four movies i don't know if they're all feature length oh no, i'm sorry five movies before breathless yeah no that's and what then- i was saying i was naming them all yeah. david holtzman's diary as far as i know 
That was the first time, and uh, it's actually starring L.M. Kit Carson. Yeah, Jim McBride's and last movie he directed in 894. Uh, Uncovered. Yeah, starring Kate Have Beckinsale. Have you seen that? No, I never even heard of it. Yeah. Well, Jim's 81, and um, like I said, so what's great about the Fun City Edition is it's got a 30-minute featurette with Jim McBride that your Shout Factory doesn't have. Yeah. So... Your transfer is decent, but like yeah. all you get is a bare bones trailer mm-hmm. on your Shout Factory disc, buddy. And this thing is packed if this to is the DVDs, you get a one out of ten on special features. Because if you only have the trailer, Hillbilly DVDs uh, automatically rates you one out of ten. We yeah. got we got to talk about this little freckle boy who screams at Richard Gear the whole time about the, about the Silver, Silver Surfer sucking at yeah. the newsstand. I was like, how come so, Richard Gear? He's a criminal guy. How come he just didn't slap this fucking kid? I, know I don't know. He probably would like respected him uh, as input. Plus, his character is kind of a child. Like you know, he's kind of like the, got the like the mind of a 16, yeah. 17 year old. Anyway, you I, know. I gotta admit, the... sitting here at forty five years old, I look I look at Richard Gere's immature character in this movie, and I kind of idolize him. I kind of want to become him. Right. Yeah. Do you get it though? Like how yeah. um, I was telling you how Tarantino said he's like not likable at all. Yeah. Like I do see that, but he is somewhat likable. I think the only reason he's likable. Is because he's getting all these girls. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I totally got to buy it. And it wouldn't work with somebody else, you know, cast it, whatever. But like, I totally get that. Like, pretty much this character, you know, they don't say exactly how old he is, but he's got some noticeable gray hair and shit. You know, it's starting to creep yeah. in. And like, I, I mid, get, mid to late thirties, maybe. Yeah, I like, I yeah. get it that, like, yeah, he's he's probably just coasted by his whole life on his looks, getting women, scamming. You know, that's why he never had to get a real job and shit. Steals cars, steals yeah. money. I mean, he's obviously a career criminal, you know? Right. I like a lot of these scenes just in the dumpy apartment where he's, like, grilling her, like, did you fuck your teacher last night? You know, because obviously he did. Yeah, this is like a um, studio apartment. But he's got a pool. But that's pretty common in, like, did you... Did your apartment that you lived in in L.A., did you guys have a pool? Every apartment like, talk- in L.A. has a pool, yeah. That's I, what I never hear. Seen one that, I mean, there are some weird, like, re- like really small ones in the valley that are just, like, maybe 10 units that wouldn't have a pool. But those are, like, yeah. the poor people apartments. I mean, everybody's poor now because, like, even the shittiest, cheapest place is, like, a shitload of money to rent it's in L.A. like three but, grand yeah. a month. Probably. I like this shit where he climbs down like a monkey down this giant trellis, this rope hanging that has all these potted plants on it. Yeah, I, they must have reinforced that with like a real, yeah, real there's rope no way. or something. Like, even if a grown man yeah. was hanging out that shit, I like too that like he's in shape, like he's very he's very defined and cut in his upper body and shit. But like he's still like kind of soft. Like now, if you were going to be in a movie this much with your shirt off, like you'd have you to get on roids and look like Kumail yeah. and Jumanji and all them fuckers, right? For Marvel movies, which is just like it never makes sense why anybody like yeah get a guy who's in shape he works out you know an hour a day hour every other day but like yeah like fucking who has time to do roids and shit when you're stealing old cars and selling them all the time right and and he's and he's got to kind of have a realistic like yeah he no he looks in shape like real good shape or whatever yeah. but like dude he smokes like he chain smokes like yeah. a motherfucker like he's not gonna be in like he's like 80s in mm-hmm. shape you know mm-hmm. 
But uh, no, he's uh, he basically like looks about the same in American Gigolo. Yeah. But um, you know, we get that work, we get some workout scenes at the beginning of American Gigolo. He's really where he's thin like, American Gigolo because I watched a few scenes is. of it after this, and like he's yeah, he's he he looks like he could fight in this movie. He doesn't really look like he could fight in American Gigolo. Well, in American Gigolo, he's got to do that thing where he hangs upside down from his feet and does yeah. that like does that workout routine <laughs> yeah. and shit. So he had to his Batman down. workout routine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Keaton. I thought bad. that was odd. Yeah. I did think that was odd. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's really this scene where, where like, to me, like, I started noticing, like, really how insanely good looking the girl was, you know? Yeah. Like, really, her body, like, she's got a great body, too. Like, she's kind of athletic, but she's got, you know, very, uh, very defined, nice breasts. I think her, like, I, you know, I know you were talking about how um, people were saying that she was, like, not yeah, that great she got a real or whatever. Bad review. Yeah, like a lot yeah of... she brought the film down or whatever. Yeah, that's what, I think that's her performance is, is really the more attractive thing is, like, her performance and just, like, yeah. oh, some of the stuff, like, she, you said she's dumb, like, seems dumb, or Boo, yeah. Boo said she seemed dumb or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think that that's attractive to me. So yeah, I, I mean, that. I think it's attractive Lou, to all, man. And I think Aloofness. I think too, even though it's it's slight. I mean, it, it's obviously he's a guy in his thirties. She's a college girl. Like I mean, that's right. the perfect early twenties. You know, for yeah. for a man's perspective, that's that's like what you want. You know, right? Ten year difference. Yeah. Fifteen year difference. Yeah. Because she's got to like wheel your ass around the house when like you're fucking when all that chain smoking is finally fucking coming yeah. bit you in the ass and now you're on a respirator. You're on like but, on oxygen. But, and to, stuff. to be yeah. fair, if you're gonna swoop up women that are 10 to 15 years younger which it's not really that hard to do like there will be some girls that are like oh i, I want to date a 22 year old but it's like you you have to present as a man you can't really like roll in like uh because like because like yeah there, there's all these other guys that are fucking her but they're all like poindexters and shit right you know what i mean and they're like way older than yeah. uh, richard gear's character too, yeah, richard gear so. is still viral he can still fuck you all night right whereas like when her teacher probably fucked her the night before he probably like came in like three minutes and she just tolerated <laughs> it yeah she likes him for his company and his yeah. knowledge and stuff on whatever subject she's studying i can't remember what architecture isn't it isn't that what she's going yeah she's an architecture yeah. student. and that's the yeah. thing she's kind of fucking her way to the top and i actually appreciate mm. this movie where like that wasn't like a condemning or a damning like uh what do you call it a uh, uh, character flaw of hers like now like if a woman first of all you wouldn't even be allowed to present a woman fucking her way to the top in a movie anymore because that would be sexist yeah. but i mean fucking, the thing is it happens yeah. all the time and not just women either not just is this scene where she's it, leaning out of the pool you can see how great her body is but no it's just like men do it too like i've known you know it's like I, I, i've seen it happen before you know everybody fucks her uh, way to the top well Back in 83, when this came out, uh, like, that's pretty much what you had to do if you're a woman yeah. back then. Well, let's just be for real. And, like, women can vouch yeah. from that era. Like, if you didn't do stuff like this or whatever, like, uh, you were going nowhere. Well, yeah, because the, the whole reason she's kind of fucking her teacher is he's going to introduce her. Well, he's really championing her as being. He does introduce her to that one dude yeah. later on. Which is so. actually, I, I forgot to look up. Is that old French dude? Is that Jean Luc Godard? Did they get him the cameo in this? Or, uh, or is that that's just... somebody from that maybe that first. Let me. Look. I can't remember. He, he brings it up. Like I watched that featurette a few times, and yeah. he does bring it up. But I was just like, more. I want to hear more about like Gear being a dink and thinking he didn't have the ball. You know, have the fucking talent to fucking direct the film. And like I was more interested in that because I'm just like. Yeah, I always got the feeling 
you know, uh, gear was pompous and like yeah. fucking full of himself. Like you get that like in the nineties quite heavily, you know, now nobody even wants the fucking, like, I don't know. What is he doing? He does like select projects. I did look at his IMDB and he is still working, but like, it looks like foreign films. It's like nothing, nothing yeah. I've ever heard of or like, and, uh, he probably don't need to work. He just does stuff like, um, I don't know, probably like Michael Keaton. I saw him in an interview, and he's like, I only take what projects like I want to do. But like, there was I a Michael Keaton, though. Like, Michael Keaton's hitting the gym three hours a day. He's he's wanting to do action movies at age seven. Yeah, he's got the Batman yeah. uh, role coming up in The Flash and everything. Well, he did and that protege like, movie with Maggie Q where he was fucking her brains out. And they were, like, I didn't see that. They were, like, competing assassins. So, like, they would go and, like, they would fight each other almost to the death. And then they would fuck afterwards. Like, it's a pretty good movie, actually. Uh, I'll be honest. The last thing that I saw, and we were talking about this a while back, uh, is Founder. Yeah, and he's like not man. in shape. Like he no. he had to get out of shape for yeah. that to play the old you know uh, Ray Kroc character. But his performance is fucking you know phenomenal. He's pretty badass too in that movie American Assassin, where he trains the guy to like go hunt the terrorist and shit. He's pretty badass huh. in that. I love Michael Keaton. I, I mean, I'm not that. like. I don't. I don't think. I mean, I don't. I don't really care. I don't really have an opinion on who's the best Batman or whatever. Like, I don't. My opinion don't is he's the best Batman personally. I mean, you know, he's great. He's a great actor and stuff. But like, I don't really even care about that. Like, the films yeah. that I really enjoy, uh, Michael Keaton's performance and like his stuff. You're not even like. I always, I always love the reference back to Mr. Mom too, because oh, it's I like one Mr. I watched Mom. a ton yeah. when I was like a kid growing Dude, I up. I watched at so. least thirty or forty times on cable as a kid. It's not yeah, that funny. And 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 now being like, I don't know, you know, with uh, getting my boy on the weekends, I'm always like, I'm Mr. Mom. <laughs> yeah. This is weird too, because like she's looking through his like shit that was in his pockets, and there, she yeah. says there's a driver's license, but it's just a piece of paper. It says, oh, this says your name's Jack Burns, and because she thinks his name is Jesse something, and he's like, he's like, oh, that's my brother's, but and she's like, why is the name different? He's like, oh, like yeah, my mom was divorced when she had him, and, but he doesn't even go through with the lie. Like he just starts giggling and laughing, and he's it's so obvious he's been lying about like who what his identity is and who he is and shit. But she's still super yeah. stupid and believing everything he says. Like she just doesn't really even care, and she's trying to fucking tell him who like William Faulkner is. He's like, yeah, whatever, baby, just let me fuck you some more. Like he's just like so about. Yeah, that. well, you know, you've picked up a lot of that scene because like I watched this like probably I've seen this film probably five times, and I never even really paid attention because I'm too busy tr- looking at her tits and watching her yeah, body like he is in this scene. So, yeah. I feel like I feel like she was the original version of Denise Richards. Oh, good point. Good yeah. point. She just isn't probably isn't got the acting caliber as like Richards has, yeah. so they couldn't. Denise like, Richards is actually a decent actress. Like I know no, everybody she looks is. At her like she's a bimbo, but she was actually pretty good. She just won't do all the sleazy shit like no. this chick. I don't know. I went, like we never saw this chick out. Uh, her American acting career really didn't ever take off. It's apparently. probably because everybody slammed her. So like like she probably thought once this movie came out in America, she would get a lot of auditions. It's like I'm going back yeah. to France. Yeah, and then they all slammed her. Yeah, this uh, so also this uh, Fun City release comes with a nice little booklet. And it's got an essay from Margaret Barton Fumo. I don't. Yeah, that's that's actually my favorite thing about Blu-ray releases. I like the the little books they make for. Yeah, I know you were talking about that, or like we were talking about um, 
the chapter little car insert cards that used to come in all the DVDs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so I was like, really, um, I know you weren't going to double dip on this and you were hoping to get it for like a sale price and didn't want to pay full price. Yeah, I was hoping obviously. to get it for like 15 during a vinegar <clears throat> syndrome thing, sale thing. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you, like, and I, I, you know, we were talking earlier and I said, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff I have around here as far as like, since, since you've gotten me back into, uh, well, yeah, since I turned you into media. a movie hoarder, what is, where, yeah. who, where is this shit coming from that I got you back into buying movies? Like, I don't ever remember having a conversation like a drug deal, where I was like, trying like, to, you keep blaming but I think smoke it's bullshit, this, though. Uh, I think you're looking for somebody to point a little bit of this finger. grass. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's laced with cocaine. Oh, damn, I like that and stuff. Yeah, you do. And then uh, now I'm back it's into like, it. This is know. who you always were. You just had a lot of, <laughs> you know, ups and downs in your lives where you were – because you were always more of a collector of, like, just always on the lookout for shit, pawn shops or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, you know, thrift stores or whatever. Like, you were and always And then I told you – I told you too what my DVD collection was, and you're like, "Whoa, why do you know?" Because I was at like, you know, over well over five thousand fucking releases, yeah. and you're like, "Whoa, why?" I didn't know I, and I'm like, "Yeah, this thing was fucking massive," and Cause it was wasn't just like, like a little a couple, shelf, you know, like, a thousand after yeah. years and years, and I thought everybody yeah. thought I was nuts that I had so many movies, so it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in the later once once it started transitioning to Blu-ray, oh, um, like you get the DVDs for cheap, and you start going to like resale shops flea markets and shit and like you can get them for like 50 cents a fucking piece you know and now blu-rays get into that now blu-rays i mean that's why i've bought more blu-rays in you know in the pandemic time than the previous like 10 years before that right and then everybody's doing sales but oh yeah so back to this like fun city release like i gotta say out of everything that i bought from vinegar syndrome this is like the best this isn't even vinegar i'm not even gonna give them credit because they didn't really work on this and lay this out fun city did up and coming which they're actually jumping ship from ocn Mm. or there might have some more releases coming out i don't know i I can't you can't believe everything these nerds on the reddit forum says but they are going to be releasing stuff through mvd and what i heard was that they just weren't like really super happy with the way uh vinegar syndrome and ocn was like marketing them or whatever maybe they don't like this whole push the slip cover shit and limited number things and they just want to like sell units like a regular but, but also too is, like bad if you look at the movies that fun city editions <laughs> was putting out they're actually very similar to the mvd rewind collection like way more yeah, than they are the, like vinegar syndrome bullshit. Like, like fun yeah. like i don't know anything about the people who run fun city but they're I all about kind of re-releasing the 80s movies from the video store era whereas like vinegar syndrome is like What's the movie that was never, ever popular that we can put in a cardboard and charge 40 bucks for? You know what I mean? Right. With the special edition fucking reversal fucking cover artwork and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what they have. I, I will give them credit. They haven't like gotten into like, well, they actually know they are getting into the shout factory poster shit. Like now they're print, doing prints, but like they ain't included with the release. Like you got to buy them separately and they'll be, them bitches will be like 50, 80 bucks. You know, like, and they have yeah. dipped off into vinyl, but yeah, I don't know, but I gotta say, like, and I've got a lot. Let me just say, anybody out there, vinegar syndrome guys, look, guys, I, you guys have put out some great releases. I'll give you that, and I've got a lot of your stuff with, with your, with your vinegar syndrome logo on it. But I gotta say, as far as 
the best release I bought from your website. It's this one, this breathless one here. Yeah. Dude, we so, got to talk about this, know. how cool this scene was, though, because, like, he's trying <laughs> to get into her pants this whole time, and, like, he really can't because she's torn between sleeping, you know, and he's mad, too, that she's sleeping with her teacher, but eventually he just doesn't give a fuck. He just wants to rail her again. So I like she's in the shower, and he starts singing uh, Suspicious Minds to himself, and then, like, he's singing it, but at the same time, like, the actual song's playing in the background. So he goes in, and he starts singing it louder and louder, and he just strips down, and he swings open the shower, and he's like... You know, he's like, because I love you too much, baby. And he just jumps in the shower and they start banging and like he grabs her and picks her up and she grabs onto the top of the shower like a monkey and they pop out the yeah. fucking shower doors and they start banging. Like, this is some like legit, you know, like, like, I mean, you know, it's not like I really believe these two people were fucking. I mean, maybe they were fucking at the time. Who knows? I don't know, man. When she just came on this transfer, like and I couldn't see it on um on your shell factory transfer as well like when she slid down his yeah. like dick was fucking fully hard yeah. I, I bet you they probably but right here it. though when they're laying in bed like he rolls over and his no dick that's is, what like, i'm saying tiny he, when she came up off his yeah. dick his dick was like rock solid I mean, he, either way he was clearly air. rubbing it up against her and shit but like right. like when i watched this movie last night like i believed that richard gear was you know hot and horny for this woman you know and she's kind of oh, like yeah. standoffish whatever but like you know the way he's going after her and shit I feel like that's that was like the deciding factor on why he just you know agreed to do the film, because he's like this doesn't this seems like real small independent. I don't want to say independent, but well, it, it just it, doesn't. It's, it's not Officer and a Gentleman. It's not American no. Gigolo. It's not really a blow you out well, of the water. It's, it's a remake off. of a French New Wave movie where like right? those French New Wave movies they just walked around the streets and smoked cigarettes and talk. Like it's it's trying to right. keep that loose independent cinema verite feel for sure. Well, that's what inspired the uh, American new wave or like new generation with like Scorsese and um, Dennis Hopper and like uh, Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. They were all inspired by this uh, French new wave shit. Like they all went to these art house theaters and watched this stuff and was like a lot of them will tell you. Uh, I know Peter Bogdanovich, uh, which he passed away here recently, didn't he? I think so. Real recently. I heard I heard Bogdanovich passed away. Uh, he was notorious for like fucking his actresses and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. But anyway, just watch Star uh, 80. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's, you know, he talks about trying to recreate shots and like they all were like Francis Ford Coppola. They were all like in Spielberg. We're all trying to recreate stuff that they saw in these French new wave films um, in each film they were working on. So, yeah, like I can see. Yeah, clearly Jim McBride came from that. I mean, being 81, he's 81. Yeah. Uh, he'll be 82 in September 16th. I mean, yeah, clearly which, which he's of get- that John. We got to talk about all the talk of the Silver Server, and here they're doing full screen uh, close ups of the panels of the Silver Server comic and reciting. Yeah. Like, Could you imagine the fucking Marvel cucks now would never let you show one of their comic books in a movie like this? Like, especially a movie about fucking girls and stealing cars and all this shit. You know what I mean? Well, I'm surprised they didn't, like, put up a fight with it. I mean, I don't know exactly. Maybe it's just because it's something older or whatever. I think but back like, then you probably just, like, talked to them and paid them some money. Oh, nobody and paid. they were like, yeah. No, no. They were probably all, they didn't have, they were probably like, oh, you're going to show the comic book? Because even Reservoir Dogs, some... yeah, there's all, like, the Fantastic Four posters in, like, Tim Roth's yeah. apartment and shit. That's true, yeah. And he even describes the and... mob boss. He's like, you ever see the thing for Fantastic Four? Joe Cabot looks like the fucking thing. <laughs> that is true. 
He's also got a kingpin uh, look to him from Spider-Man yeah, too as well. I would say he's more like kingpin more like, than anything. I think he even dresses in a white suit at some point in the movie, like kingpin. I care. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. I've seen it. But uh, yeah. But no, this uh, this whole thing, like everything in this, is just really. Um, I don't know. It's just like with this heart thing he finds, he gets off the one dude that he robs at the, the bar there. <laughs> he took it out of the guy's purse. <laughs> yeah. Like, it becomes like know. the ultimate symbol of love for them for the rest of the movie. It's kind of, yeah, it's got a weird feel to it because yeah. it's like really something you'd get at like the county fair. Or yeah, it's, it's like some like five-year-old that. kid would be wearing around yeah. the neck. He's like, you know, because like you said, he steals the flower, he steals this shit. He's, he's like, he's about romance, but only if he can steal the shit. Yeah. I, 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 me and him are very similar. So I didn't go into a life of crime. I thought about it, but uh, yeah. Career criminals just—it's just not, you know. I think. Well, we see at the end what happens to most career criminals. You know, we see it at the end. I think I was like well into my thirties before I ever bought flowers for a girl. Honestly. Uh, no, you know, I have bought flowers for a girl, but it's just like I'm not like I guess consistent enough about it or whatever. So. It's good for a holiday, like and, and, yeah. and not just like Tuesday, Valentine's or Day. But yeah, Valentine's Day is good. Christmas, yeah. I buy Christmas flowers for my mom every year, but that's my mom. I man. never did no Christmas flowers. Yeah. Man. They're like, pretty good. They got the little Santa yeah. jars and shit. Yeah, I mean, okay. again, it's it's more a thing for your mom. It's not really yeah, you for yeah, girl. man. Nobody's gonna notice you running around in this fucking nineteen fifties gear with your shirt open. I think like, I yeah, think yeah. now what you do is you buy like the ten dollar bottle of wine. You buy one single rose. You knock on her door with you got the rose in your mouth and you're holding the bottle of wine. I think that's good enough for twenty twenty three now. You want to talk about Jim McBride's uh, family, their cameo here with the Thunderbird? This is actually his Well, I guess this son. place is like a famous building or whatever yeah, in what L.A. too. I have no idea what I this is. I can't remember. It was uh, They were talking, that dude from the commentary was talking about this spot, and it was used in another film. Yeah. Uh, but you see it like the most, uh, you know, like the see, see the doorway and stuff of it. But that's Jim McBride's wife and kid there. Yeah. Oh, okay. I looked at the credits. They both had the name McBride. So I, I didn't pick. They didn't mention that in any of the. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe that guy in the commentary. I only listen to that guy. I only listen to that guy's commentary like briefly because, like, I don't know when it's just like. I mean, I, that's I, the other thing. I, I didn't get why Jim didn't do the commentary for this uh, Fun City release. It's like, maybe it was it was during the pandemic and stuff because when they're interviewing Jim McBride, he's got like the his face mask and his uh, front pocket and stuff. So Jim McBride's holding out to do the commentary for the Arrow 4K next year. <laughs> well, they only did a two look. So this is a new 2K restoration from its 35 millimeter introspective. Mm. So they didn't do a 4K because it would say from the 4K. So that's like a dead giveaway. If you find a Blu-ray that just came out. Ladies and gentlemen, I hear people bitching now, especially about Shout Factory. Uh, recently, they announced Creep Show, Motel Hell. People are bitching about double dipping. Mm. Look, sometimes the dead giveaway is it'll say from a new 4K, you know, transfer. Yeah. If you see that, then don't get the then blue. The 4K is coming. Yeah, it, it exists. Like, yeah, don't get the blue. Like, what do you? It's don't hard do though, it. like, because I hate them cucks too that are like no 4K, <laughs> no sale, and it's like, well, if the blue doesn't do good, then there will never be a 4K. So it doesn't really matter. That's true too. Sometimes it takes three, four years too for that 4K to come yeah, out. Like, like so. people were coming at, I think Kino for doing brick on Blu-ray and then brick on 4K, and they're like, "How could you do this? I bought this 
six year and the guy was like listen like we bought it out on blu-ray seven years ago like the 4k market wasn't what it is. yeah but i right. bought it and the guy's just like listen like you know like we we didn't know seven years ago what was going to happen now you know what i mean you know what'd be cool is if because you know they, there's still value for this stuff on the resale market yeah. it'd be cool if some of the the boutiques are like okay look send it in and we'll give you like eight dollars off your purchase I, I, I just think it's one of those because you know me bet there's a lot of times you're like you're gonna get this and i'm like i already got the blue like if i'm happy with right. the blue i'm sticking with the blue like it's cool yeah you know and you're getting to the point to where like you're getting kind of disillusioned with yeah. the the 4ks and stuff like that because like i was telling you like there great. are some 4ks that pop in and i'm like you know older movies specifically shot on film and I'm like oh this looks amazing and the other ones i'm just like i don't like the way this looks <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah you know what I you know the only time I've seen a 4K recently we were talking about this was like Ant-Man yeah. where it was like shot in fucking 4K 8K you know yeah. what I mean and like I told you I said I've been watching the Blu-ray and I never noticed the dust when uh, Ant-Man strikes down in the right. bathtub I never noticed the dust flowing around but then when I watched it on Disney Plus in their 4K like I don't know if that's true 4K but I could actually see the it's dust so like yeah. Yeah, I could actually see the dust finally, and I was listening to the director's commentary on the Blu-ray, and he was talking about dust, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't see no dust, bro. And then I saw it, so I feel like 4K is really only been – I'm not going to say only, but it's best for newer movies. It's not really – I think 2K is probably a good fit for these older movies, and it's going to be comfortable, whereas the you know newer stuff – yeah, you probably want to watch it in 4K because that's what it was shot. I mean, it was shot yeah. in these higher, um, I don't know, bit rates or whatever. Well, so. also, also, too, I mean, not to say that you can't butcher a color scheme of a newer movie when you go to 4K HDR because I've seen that happen, too. They get too aggressive. They pump it up. But for mm. me, it's just really like, yeah, it's like this HDR shit, man. Like, there's some movies, like, the, the, the way the lighting is, it wasn't really shot with that in mind. And it's like, right. or, or it's applied too aggressively or whatever. And, like, because, like, I remember I bought the uh, Stranger Things Season 1 4k and people are like it didn't it didn't have any hdr at all it was just 4k resolution people are like well that doesn't make a difference it just you know resolution doesn't matter it's all about that hdr pumping up those colors and like that was one of, that's still one of the best 4ks that i've ever seen like it's just straight just 4k resolution no hdr and it looks fucking so amazing so you're saying the hdr might be a problem on on stuff right? that's huh? what it is for me and like some yeah. players will let you turn it off and i experiment it and sometimes yeah sometimes it looks better I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's sometimes when the movies like the colors are like, wow, I can't believe how good these colors are. But there's other ones too where that like they intentionally try to make it look striking. You can tell it just kind of ends up looking cartoonish. You know what I mean? Sometimes I like that on um, you know uh, people like don't like the colors being pumped up. But some of the '70s stuff were, I mean, it's already like their clothing's already colorful yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, and things it makes those things pop and everything. Yeah. Or like a film, like for instance, like a Dawn of the Dead. Now I haven't gotten a chance to see Second Sight, so I don't know what they did. They're not really ones to really pump up the color. They like to stay natural. Yeah, you watch they, that they Dawn natural. 4K, yeah. Uh, but like that's one where I would be like okay with it because the blood and the zombies having the blue tint from every from the lighting and everything like it's kind of got a comic book feel to it anyway. And honestly, pumping up the colors on Breathless here would be 
And I, they're not doing that with the this transfer, and I don't think they really did that with any of the trans. Honestly, the the second site transfer is pretty fucking lousy and dull. Like it has a washed out look to it. I kind of want to see it now, though. To be honest with you, it's weird. Well, the plus is that uh, it's got um, uh, uh, Valerie Kapritsky's yeah. uh, does like a modern day interview on it, and didn't get transferred over to this, and obviously it's not on yours, but. Yeah. Yeah, the two best, uh, I mean, I've done like side-by-side comparisons. The two best transfers are the Fun City and the Shout Factory transfers. They're almost hard to, there are some spots uh, where it's a little bit different and stuff, but it's almost hard to like distinguish the two. Yeah. To be, I'm not saying I that it's the same. I think this transfer is good. Like this transfer, yeah. the Shout transfer, it looks very reminiscent of if you like, if you like watch like the old like Death Wish 2, Death Wish 3 Blu-ray transfers. Like to me, this looks very consistent for what 80s, you know, film lighting and transferring looks like to me. And the Fun City is pretty much just like a little bit brighter except on those like that one um dusk uh rear rear projection uh yeah. when he steals the car at the beginning that's not like they didn't mess with that too much like honestly i think that uh shouts is actually a slightly one notch brighter mm-hmm. which helps because it's kind of a dark scene anyway but it's meant to be like that and i think um fun city was like no we're not gonna fuck with this but uh yeah. a lot of the daylight uh scenes are a little bit brighter um i you know i like i said really but, the only but you know what though bad honestly like like i understand when you're when you're comparing screenshots on your phone or you're you're no like, i was watching i was watching it, it's all there, different you when know. you get it on your tv it depends on how you got your tv set up honestly yeah, I mean, I don't like I said, I really think that the differences between these two transfers on these two releases are subtle. The only big difference is obviously the Fun City is loaded. It's got the most extras of right. any and obviously they taught yeah. It's great when you talk to the director and get like, I mean, I don't, you know, I can't ever really like put over a release Unless it's just not available, like this person's not available, and there's like, right. you tried everything, which I'm sure Shout did try to get Jim McBride. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of, I guess I'm going to bat for him and saying, yeah, they tried and he just wasn't available at the time. But yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, you kind of got to get the director's input. Like, yeah. if you don't have an extra, like, one little thing, like a commentary or something with a director, like, I don't know, man. Like, I got a question. I got a question your release. <laughs> I mean, to be but, fair, by the time that Shout was doing that blue, like the guy had been out of the industry since I think his last credit was like maybe like 2001. He'd been out of the industry almost 15 years at that no, point. No, his last credit is, um, yeah, I guess it is 2001 because he did the Six Feet Under yeah, uh, HBO a... show. He's involved in that. I think he's. He's pretty heavily involved. I think that's his Dude, show. I, I swear this guy that plays the guy who's trying to rip off Richard Gere on selling him the stolen Thunderbird at the junkyard. I fucking swear this guy was a, a villain in the later Police Academy movies. Yeah, they were talking about that guy that does the commentary on this, that film critic or whatever, was talking about this guy being in some other shit yeah. and uh, playing like more darker roles. I can't remember. I guess he's like... Man, he was like a go-to uh, guy in in the like early to mid '80s for like he's in a yeah. bunch of shit. Yeah, he. You're talking about he's like. Uh, is he a cop? Guy. 
Is he a cop or whatever in the police academy? I think he becomes because you know how there's like that one guy who's like always after Mahoney trying to bust him in the first couple yeah. movies, and then that guy left, and then a new sergeant came in that was always trying to bust Mahoney again. Or, or I, actually, I think Mahoney is was it gone four? By is it you said number four? It is. He's in. I'm pretty fucking sure. Let, yeah, let me, that's one I haven't seen. Like I've only seen like the first three. But I mean, more I, than I got fucking IMDb up. I should at least just click on it. But, like, yeah, and it's, like, because that dude, like, left Police Academy, and he was doing, like, uh, the Mannequin movie, the original guy, he was doing, like, the Mannequin movie. With, oh, okay. Uh, with, uh... Both of them? Yeah. Mannequin so one and two. He got, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Art Machano. Yeah, played Burnbaum. I don't know why my internet's slow today. Mine's slow, too, man. I don't know. Maybe it's just the... There's some global thing going on. Yeah. So Some U.S. fucking communications fucking... I don't know. It's been crazy. We don't. I don't really want to get into it, obviously, but, like, I don't know. I'm sure, like, all this news that's been going on, it's been yeah, hard-hitting yeah. the past two weeks and news. Yeah. I'm sure, like, a lot of communication is being be used. Brutal. Yeah, they do play yeah. the Lieutenant Mauser in Police Academy 2. Okay. 3. Yeah. And then... Yep. Like, and then also he he did a he did well, actually he played a different character but he showed up for an episode of Police Academy the series the, the series <laughs> they liked him so much like we got to get you back brother and, and I don't know if this dude died or what but his last acting credit was in 2001 the movie Good Advice it's like a directed video movie with Charlie Sheen uh, I think Denise Richards he played a homeless man huh? in that movie. See, we were talking about Denise Richards. Yeah. And... I like Denise. I, of course. Mind, I actually wouldn't mind meeting Denise Richards like at a convention or something, to be honest with you. Of course, we're always talking about... Uh, you said Charlie Sheen's in it, too? Yeah, the Sheenster. Yeah, we're, we're always talking about the Sheen machine. So. I mean, why wouldn't you, honestly? I know. You know, right? you know what's weird, Bat? Like, I don't know why I was thinking about this other day, but it popped in my head. Like, I can't remember what I was looking at or what I was doing, but I remembered how we kept him in and hawing about that $300 No Man's Land script on eBay. Nobody bought it, right? I don't think so. I wonder, if I, I wonder if I could contact that guy and be like, listen, man, you want 100 bucks or not? It, it's just one of those, like, I would, I'd give him 150 and stuff, but, like, it's just, man, like. I wouldn't do 150. I love the film, but I'm like, I think you're a bigger fan. Like, it yeah. obviously makes more sense for it to go home with you than yeah. me, because, like, you know. But I'd like to. I'd. I'd give you. I'd give you fifty bucks towards it to like yeah. scan me a copy. If if we actually had like you know like a podcast where we had advertisers and we're making money, which I mean we can't do that when we're sitting here talking about French girls' nipples and shit. Nice, but like <laughs> if we actually like made money from this, I would like do that. I would just invest like my whatever my cut to like buy props like that and talk about it on the show. Hey, hey, French girls, ice, uh, uh, ice cubes on nipples. We were just talking about what was in the film. Yeah. It was just an observation, sir. Which, by the way, isn't we didn't it weird? Make that... the film. Isn't we're just it... reporting on yeah, it. Yeah, we're just telling you what happened. I mean, we didn't rub the the ice on her nipples. That was all. Yeah, her. we didn't write that or film that. Jeez. But even like this mural they're walking in front of, like the 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 professor and the girl. Like it's cool how it's got like an ocean. Like there's a lot. Like there's a yeah. lot of visual. Even though this isn't like a really flashy movie in the way it's shot. Like there's a lot of attention in detail with the sets and the backgrounds and shit yeah he uh i mean he had a good um uh i don't know location scout or whatever i don't know who did the locate maybe jim mcbride himself did it i don't i don't know with the budget for 83 that's a pretty good fucking budget yeah, I mean, seven and you know 
Yeah, they had a pretty good uh, cast and crew here. Uh, honestly, though, there's not any other bigger names really in this film, and um, then there's that Kaprisky one asshole here cop that's really always that in a lot of name. exploitation movies. I just looked at his name, John Paul Ryan, whatever the fuck his name is. He yeah. plays like the. That's the only thing that I would really criticize is the cops in this movie are very fucking corny and over the top. They're like he, he killed a cop on the, in the desert, so we they, gotta get him. It looked him like now. they walked out of a, like they look like the undercover fuckers from um, uh, Serpico. Yeah, they we're should. like we're Al Pacino's like you guys. I can smell you like a mile away. Like mm-hmm. you know, like oh we're undercover, but it's like we can tell your cops. Like it's like they're undercover, but they're wearing like cheap suits that like nobody's worn in like seven or right. eight years. I like this area too, where Richard Gere's running through like this mural school here too. It's reminding a lot of these shots around this part of the movie remind me of that movie Fade to Black, where the guy was always going around uh, at Los Angeles. Yeah, I haven't. I've only seen. I only rented that back in the day on VHS, and then uh, what is it? Uh, vinegar. vinegar Syndrome. I even bought the Vinegar T-shirt. Yeah. I, I just wouldn't. Pull I was the trying to force Zach to do that with me a couple months ago, but we kind of fell off track and did some other shit. But that's a great. What's movie. the last thing you've done with Zach? I, I need to catch up on uh, uh, your your stuff you've done with Zach. Uh, you did I'm something wrong. American Beauty. Right? We did like a month okay. Ago. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I wanted to. Ca- I saw that, and I just made a mental note to check out that that episode and i, I haven't gotten around to it i'm yeah. sorry uh you know i i uh, I, I like to try to, i did listen to um uh a couple of those episodes those two episodes you did two episodes with boo um what was yeah. the one uh last last american virgin right no we did losing it losing it That's and that right. was the one where we okay. had like the, the for some reason i've had it for years but all of a sudden that one the recorder fucked up one of the microphones was like had some shit jammed it. I don't know what happened. It was weird. So I could only, I have a stereo microphone. It actually has two mics built into it. And, uh, oh, okay. And, but somehow one got like something in it. It was like blown out. And like the only way I fixed it was I blew into it and then it worked again. Like the one level is super high. So like I had to do that thing where I could only take one of the tracks and then I had to try to like remix it. And it, it just, it was still, oh, piece of dust but, but it, it pissed me off when it happened. I was like, are you Oof. fucking kidding me? Yeah, I need to check out that American Beauty though with Zach. Yeah. Not nothing against you, Zach. I just you know I'm not really. I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't. Really I don't listen anymore. to any podcast anymore, dude. Really bad about that. Yeah. And I'm like, I used to be like a fucking podcast machine, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I used to have a standalone MP3 player that I would like load up with yeah. everything. And um, I use my die. phone. Yeah. Yeah, I use my phone for work a lot and stuff, so like I can't be like too heavy on it. And I'm already fucking around chatting with you or or nude or watching fucking videos on YouTube or like, looking at sales or yeah, something. Yeah, like with my know? job, like what I have to do now, I have to read medical reports all day, and like literally. Oh, do you? Yeah, okay. like that's literally all I do for a living. But um, if I miss one little thing that could affect how I pay the bill. Like, I get fucked, and I get reported on, and I get blamed, and all this Ooh. shit. So it's like, yeah. I can't really, like, zone out and listen. To I used to do more simpler. I used to do the same thing, but just simpler. But the shit I do now, it's like you miss one little thing, you totally get fucked. And, and hey, You watch a little bit of movies still, right? You said you used to watch, you, you were watching movies and stuff piece by piece, right? During I, I day, do that during my that? breaks. During my breaks, I ah, do. Okay. But, um... But usually I just do music now or like I'll do YouTube videos where I don't really pay attention. But like podcasts, I would actually listen and like pay attention to more. Right. But we missed it there. We got the uh, Randy's Donut Donut yeah. when they were getting away and stuff, which has been featured. I got to like, say, so like as somebody stuff, who so. 
Yeah. Did you go there when you lived in LA? No, by the no, way, that shit's no? like Inglewood, dude. I only I've only been to Inglewood like once. Oh, in it's my not life. in LA, so it's like so Inglewood's. I've never been out to California. I so mean, Inglewood, just break this down to me. Like, is Inglewood near LA or is it part of LA? It's part County, of LA, or? but it's like a ghetto. I mean, it's getting better. I know now. it's ghetto. Yeah, yeah, it's getting better yeah. now, but it's like we went to actually the only time I've ever been to Inglewood, Boo Sister had this house at the time we went there and like it was a nice house and everything and like the street looked nice but it's like as soon as you pulled out of the street and you got onto like the main roads you saw like all the crackheads of the bus stops and shit well that's common in any city though i think you'll I mean, always run across is, the yeah. area i mean yeah. i mean inglewood is just you know like it's getting like at all places like people with money move in they rehab it they fix it up it's it's probably yeah. better now than even when i was there a few years ago but I like this so, cool. There's like just like this cool like underground rave almost going on in this parking garage. Yeah, you know, like and fuck, man, I didn't even really like. I didn't really realize what was going on. Yeah, it's kind of like some kind of. I don't. I I wasn't sure if it was like a dance club or. It looks like a dance it, club, but then you see yeah. the cop car pulling, and you realize they're just in a parking garage. Right. Because they actually have. To, if you look at the top there, bad. Like I don't know if they were like were meant to crop this out and they didn't but if you look at the top they actually have like theatrical lighting set up there mm-hmm. like yeah so i was wondering if it was like some place that had repurposed this location mm-hmm. well not just for the movie but like i know this would happen a lot but like well we bought this warehouse and we're gonna turn it into a nightclub like, i forget this know, guy's the, we're the guy who's kind of putting on the underground party like this guy's actually really cool and tries to help out richard gear for the rest of the movie i thought i wish this guy was in the movie more actually he looks familiar too, yeah, so they like probably couldn't afford him. He's like an older guy. Yeah, like he kind of dressed like a Chicano guy, but he kind of yeah, he well, kind of is like an the, Italian guy too at the same time. That's it's the weird. feeling I got from like the guy, the other guy, the one guy he meets at the fucking bar, the divey bar. He's kind of feels like he's kind of somewhat Latino. Yeah, and then this guy got the Latino vibe too from. But like now that I look at him more, I'm like, okay, maybe he's not. If he is, maybe he's only like half. But yeah. It's, I always thought this is weird too, where she cuts her hand on the glass, like she goes out of her way to grab a piece of broken glass in a trash can. Like I, I didn't really understand the symbolism of that, or if that was just a callback to the original movie. Yeah, well, yeah. Like later on, he licks the, the blood original. out of her palm for like really no reason. But yeah. I think it's funny too that they just want to shoot Richard Gear, but they're like, oh, don't shoot. He's got the girl with them. Like they're like they the cops know if they just shoot him, it's fine because he's a cop killer. But um, right. You know, if, if they shoot her too, then they're like, fuck, we'll get her. I really like this stunt with the pickup truck where he just starts rolling it down the hill. Cause you can tell Richard Gere yeah. actually did this all in one take. Like, this oh, is really? a, this, you would never be able to do this with insurance now with an A list actor just pushing a car down a fucking hill like this and then jumping in. And it's like while he's hot wiring it, he's just got her like steering it. The, the car is just, you know, gravity is pulling it down. They're going fast too. I didn't understand this why the cops... This is kind of reminiscent yeah. of uh, the parking garage scene from Terminator, too, as well. Yeah. Um, very sh- shot similar, to. Aren't they in a pickup? Aren't, isn't Reese in them? Like, they're in a pickup Later truck. on, they are when they're doing the pipe bombs, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Bombs. Okay, that's what I'm getting confused with. I don't know these cops with... thought they could chase them in reverse, though. It's so weird. Should have just stopped and turned the car around so they could have got at them better. But Any yeah, needs necessary. You, you, you know what's a, another good movie? Maybe a good double feature if you just want like a good L.A. locations. 
I thought this was funny too, where like he rolls over the tire thing to blow out the tires, and then the truck instantly is just wobbling on the street, like they can't go anywhere. But um, like it's steering it pretty good visually. You know what other movie looks like this movie a lot is that movie Colors, the Dennis Hopper joint. That's right. We were talking about that. Didn't that just get a Blu-ray release, or was it a, a 4K couple release years ago? Because I waited for it yeah. to go on sale, and I, I copied. I know we were talking I the about DVD that. forever. I told you how I uh, I just realized, like I'd seen it years ago, quite a few times, and I just now realized that's like one of I didn't even realize Dennis Hopper directed because we were talking about how great, and I was talking about like um, the last uh, the last uh, picture show or last movie or whatever, and like I don't know, just some of the stuff he was doing in like the early seventies. And then you're like, oh, he did Colors. And I'm like, shit, I didn't even realize that he directed that. That is a great film. Because I remember, I mean, I remember when it came out, going to see it and reading the paper. Like, it was actually kind of, like, well publicized that Dennis Hopper directed it. It was kind of like, because he kind of had that career resurgence where in, like, the mid-80s where he got, like, cleaned up and started getting a lot of Hoosiers. Yeah. It was, like, Hoosiers, River's Edge, like... Like me and yeah. uh, who was it, Trevor? Like Chainsaw we, Man. Yeah, we actually did a, a, a podcast that was just all about that. It was like a two-hour podcast talking about eight. His eighty-six. He did like uh, was it six, seven movies yeah. that or that came out that year. And I don't then know. Colors if was like eighty-eight or something. Or something. So like, yeah, he yeah. got his cred back. And I remember reading an article. I can't remember if it was a newspaper or magazine talking about that. Like, because you know everybody's kind of excited because like. You know, since like really easy rider, it's like, oh, it's his comeback. Is I mean, he directed other films in between there, obviously, but like as far as the mainstream was concerned, they were all about Dennis Hopper. All of a sudden, it was a big moment. So yeah. Well, I'm a big. Uh, he's definitely in my top ten. You know, favorite actors. He's not in my top ten as like favorite directors, even though I love um, Easy Rider and everything. Yeah. And so I like it was always an influential film for me. The ending of Easy Rider is amazing. Yeah, no, and, uh, you know, just like him being, that's like uh, pretty much first-time director. He's not the first, no, he'd been working on Corman shit since, like, I think, he'd been working since, like, I believe 58. Yeah. Because he used to hang out with, um, there's this really good documentary of him talking about hanging out with um, uh, Brando and um, uh, James Dean, and he was, like, good friends. So I think he got to Hollywood in, like, 54, 55. Yeah. And um, the reason like he kind of like didn't really get he and he kind of like went backwards and then was like doing B stuff with Corman is because he got blacklisted because he's like, I can't remember what film it was. I'd have to look at the details. But he's like working on this big Hollywood pictures for Warner Brothers. And he talked to the director like one night while they were like doing, you know, eating dinner. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to um, I want to try this like thing where I like uh ad lib and like you know what i mean kind of go with the flow and he's like yeah sure and um they get on set the next morning and he's like doing it and the director's like what the fuck are you doing and he's like oh we talked about you know me doing this i want to try to like um do some like different techniques and stuff he's like no you're i paid you to work like you're gonna follow the script and like uh he was like yeah that's like dinner talk baby like that's not (laughs) That's not yeah, like that that was we were drinking, we were I was drunk, like no, we're not doing that. And uh Dennis Hopper was like, Fuck you, no, that's exactly what I'm doing. And he kept insisting on it. And uh basically the director was like, Look, I'm like one of the biggest wheels in Hollywood director wise, and I can sit here, we can sit here for months and I can keep burning up film. You want to play this game or whatever. So apparently he must have called Jack Warner. Jack Warner calls Dennis Hopper and is like 
Well, this is what Jack, this is what Dennis Hopper says in the documentary. He says Jack Warner calls me up and says, "What the fuck are you doing?" He's like, "This motherfucker is just going to keep burning up film. He's costing us millions of dollars." He's like, yeah. "You know, you better get this shit together because this will be like the last film you ever fucking work on, kid. Like, if you want to have any, like, he was one of the up and comers along with, like I said, Marlon Brando and James, and, Dean, yeah. and James Dean and shit at the time. Yeah, and um." Yeah, pretty much after that film, he got, like, blacklisted. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... This is a cool scene, too, where they break in the movie theater and they're actually behind the movie screen in that old movie yeah. plane. I didn't really pay is attention that, is to... That bro- is that the original Breathless no, plane? No, it's I was not, because it's an American okay. movie. But, yeah, but I didn't realize the dialogue in the movie. The guy was talking about, like, you know, I was stupid to think I could beat Las Vegas and I ran into bad luck, which is, like, yeah. a lot of what Richard Gere's talking about throughout the movie was, you know, his jinx and stuff. And I just realized, like, I, I mean, I, I saw it, the whole movie, but, like, the... um the heartbreaker tattoo Richard Gere has over his heart. He has like yeah, a little that's heart true. that's broken. Yeah. And then that's what happens with that little plastic heart at the end. She picks it up out it of her person. It gets broken. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's cool. Yeah. Like, again, they have like their fifth sex scene here, but I like this one cause it's passionate. Cause like you got the black and white movie screen in the background and then they're like bathed in this red light on this old tarp that they fuck on. But this one's classy. This is like yeah. classy. This is what you'd expect out of gear in like the mid nineties. Like yeah. he ain't showing his cock and shit in like the mid nineties and stuff like that. That's why like some people that are more like tuned to his nineties output would probably be like disturbed. Like, Oh my God, I saw Richard Gere's cock. Like, yeah, American gigolo. I think you see his cock in American gigolo too. And uh, maybe in, um, yeah. Looking for Mr. Goodbar, he might just talk about it. so little in this movie, though. I don't get like why he was trying to show it so much. I don't. You know, I would at I least get. Like, I mean, I get you don't want to be fully hard, like sticking up, but I would at least get like that. It was half, though when she climbs chubby. off of him on the bed. It was like sticking up, like it was. It was pretty. Know, it, it was. It was about half chub. It's about half chub. I wonder if this is really Errol, the remains of Errol Flynn's old house that he went to. Cause I I'd always heard about this house, but like I didn't really. Look, there's guys fighting with lightsabers on the uh, the tennis court. I thought that was funny. Eighty three, I guess. What Return, Return of the Jedi, Jedi was out? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when they would have shot it though, it would have been like the year before, but still. Still, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, Empire, Empire, the Empire Strikes Back. Nineteen eighty. But yeah, this is this is a great location here. They go up here. Where's this at? Come on. Come on, tour guide. Where's this at? I don't know. I mean, it's supposed to be Errol Flynn's house. I don't know if it really is. Oh, Oh, this is supposed to be a portion of his property? Yeah, like you can see just the foundation was there. Ah, okay. So you didn't take like a nice little honey with your uh, car that you stole? Well, I'm uh, I'm sure by the time I got there, somebody, the the land's too valuable. I'm sure somebody knows it by that point and put a mansion up there. Especially overlooking fucking the city and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if uh, the Sharon Tate house had to be bulldozed to put a mansion on, I mean, this shit didn't exist. They built the, I thought they built condos there or something like that. I don't know. Have you been up in there? Have you been up in there to uh, Celio Drive? Did you ever go up there? No, I didn't go actually on there, but the 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 bottom street. I, I know I've been down there. I think I'm wondering if I was wondered. Maybe you know, like okay, the so Nine Inch Nails music the... video was good enough for me. 
Oh, well, yeah, I mean, they shot in the house and yeah. fucking... They took the door off and shit. Yeah. That was actually the last time I think it was rented, and then they it bulldozed was. it after it that. But yeah. No, I'm wondering if in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if the bottom street, when they come... When uh, when they when you come down to that hill, is that Celio Drive there? Is that, like, the real? Because I know I once they know. get up into that subdivision, that's not real in the film. Yeah, but... I mean, once they go to, like, Rick Dalton's... Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I've seen what it looks like up there now, modern day, because yeah. there's that dude that does Dearly Departed. He used to do the tours, yeah, the death tours. Yeah. yeah, he takes you up to there, there, and it looks nothing like what, yeah, Rick Dalton's shit. No. The, the, okay, this was the part of the movie where the movie started uh, falling apart for Boo, was uh, when she starts asking him, like, what are we going to do when we get the money and go to Mexico? Like, how long until the money runs out? And he's like, I don't know, baby, we'll just get more money. Oh, money <laughs> That that's where the uh, the romance and the plot started draining out for Boo. Boo doesn't like guys that don't know where they're going no. and have no direction. It's a good no. thing you got some direction, brother. She wouldn't want anything to do with you. That's like a that. that's yeah. a telltale. Yeah. Well, yeah, don't but... push on with your fucking film, your your failed film career or whatever. She's gonna leave you. She's yeah. like, this motherfucker's not working in Hollywood anytime soon. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I if I I mean I have a job. I mean, I'm not not anywhere being close to have at home. I'm not being close to home. Well, let me ask but, you a question. Yeah. So this is getting off topic, but I know you kind of like not really kind of giving up on the film dreams. Have you thought? Have you still considered maybe getting an agent and and optioning scripts or trying to do something like that? Because that's what I've been thinking about per, lately. Because I've been writing. And I've been thinking about maybe doing it's like there is a possibility that I could get a script option. Like maybe it might take twenty. Years, I mean, I but... want to. Like that's the main thing I yeah. want to. Like like I'm pretty much having like a midlife crisis right now, <laughs> and like my crisis isn't really like I'm I'm not really really not tied to my age. I'm really tied yeah. to it's been it's been a long time since I was doing creative work that I really wanted right. to. So like I'm I'm going insane right now and thankfully Boo's behind it. I mean I could just do it behind her back anyway, but she's behind it. Like we're just playing the lottery, fucking hardcore, dude. Like I'm talking about forty bucks a week, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Are so, you are you hitting both uh, Mega Millions and uh, I was and for a while, or? but then Powerball got hit and got down. And right right yeah, now I'm Mega chasing Millions Mega, Mega, Mega Millions is over four hundred million, so I'm doing that. If that if that gets won anytime soon, then I'll. I think Powerball is up to like 190 million. I'll jump back to Powerball. So I bought two tickets last night or yeah. yesterday. I didn't check them to see if I obviously if the if the jackpot's still high and win the big yeah, big no. one. But but you know I got the there's a I mean anybody can download it, but it, the one I got is from California Lottery. You just scan the ticket because I didn't really understand all the rules and shit. So I got some two dollar winners, some four dollar winners. So it was for a little while there. It was helping me, uh, you know ease the whatever because i do 10 bucks at a time i do five tickets so yeah winning two four bucks you know kind of eases the pain a little bit i mean yeah yeah i have i've I've rolled it back but i've noticed that but it just keeps getting it just keeps jacking up there but uh no man like despite all that no i feel like if i won the lottery i probably to be honest with you just like knowing myself yeah. like i think this is with like any like if you look at a lot of these filmmakers out here they're like not worth a fuck now that they've got all this yeah. money because they don't they're not hungry or whatever like i probably wouldn't even like pursue anything but i'm like still hung i'm still hungry and stuff and obviously i'm like poor so you know yeah, it would no, motivate I mean, dude, me to I, write a good script it's but I, it's, it's I sickening it's, I, it's, I, if you 
why would you why would you want to do any like you're rich you're like i don't know you're like rich you're like what what do i need to do that for like yeah i'd like to shoot a film but would you even be as serious as you would if you were hungry like you're like I, I, I am. The, the I, see, that's the thing, though. I'm actually hungrier now than when, like, because like the thing is, is like I technically like Are all my you really, all, uh, dude. I'm so fucking hungry right now because like, because like my first couple movies, like pretty much both my movies I made cost about two thousand dollars each to make. And yeah. the, th- the thing is, dude, dude, I could I could make a ten thousand dollar movie tomorrow. I could. But I don't have the fuck. It fucking, would look like really good. I mean, it, it dude, would, especially I mean, uh, with the technology, it would look great. But the thing is, is like I can't. I gotta fucking work. I gotta work right. all the fucking time. Right. <laughs> you know, my first film was about a grand, and but it looked fucking. It dude, it looked really fucking good. Like I, I actually shot it on an HD camera that still ran tapes. Yeah. And I remember you bought these like special. Um, higher quality master style tapes or I whatever those, yeah. I, I don't think it really changed anything about the quality but it's really for like the longevity of the storage of the tape so the footage doesn't fucking get damaged from sitting for five ten years or whatever yeah um so i know they were like twenty dollars per tape and uh and yeah man i mean it looked really fucking it was like the best thing best stuff i ever shot but i'm just like Man, the camera technology now, like, I mean, you could do, you can do Hollywood grade film. Like, I, that's how long I've shot. It's been so long now Dude, that, like, you could shoot with the iPhone, whatever, yeah. the high end iPhone, and shoot a Hollywood movie with a, you know. I, like, I have to say, I'm really disappointed that there's no good mid level movie camera. Like, I looked at Black Magic Designs cameras the other day, and like even they have gone to this DSLR looking shit. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. I want something that looks like a rectangular body with a big ass lens with lens attachments. I don't want, yeah, I don't, don't want to shoot like fucking all these DSLRs. They look like my dad's film camera from the 1980s. You, you know what I mean? You know the iPhone, those iPhones can attach a fucking different lenses and stuff yeah. onto them too as well. Because no, I mean, you can't I, attach lenses. With so. What I would do is I would fuck around so much with the colors and try to make it look as much like film and possible afterwards in the editing you know what i mean so it's like so it's almost like you might as well like i mean you could still get kodak and there's like a couple places i think out there you'd probably be more likely to be able to find something locally that would process the film but you might as well just get 16 and you can buy the cameras for fucking nothing now because nobody wants to shoot on it anymore you just get a couple like three three fucking 16 millimeter cameras and really it's the process well i will say the cost of of 16 millimeter has gone gone up drastically uh, if you want quality stock but it's really developing and processing the shit and then you know today you're gonna have to once you fucking finish editing the film you're gonna have to transfer it over to digital because we're in we're in a digital world so you know it's crazy man i got it believe me i I got a i got a plan ready to go execute it within 30 days of getting so you're interested in shooting on like 16 millimeter is that what you want to do is shoot it on 16 millimeter just keep the cost down because i want to like not give a fuck like i I, like i really want to do like artistic shit like I think the first movie I want to do is almost like a throwback to Nosferatu. I actually want to do pretty much exclusively black and white, to be honest with you. But... Well, if you did film, if you're going to shoot it on film, that's like the cheapest film. Like, I was looking at Super 8 because I've been thinking about yeah. just getting – I was trying – I bid on a camera on eBay that was actually – like, I looked at the specs on it, and they were like, no, this is like a more higher end, but somebody outbid me, and I was just like – 
it was one of those situations that was just like, how serious are you right now? I'm like, okay, maybe not that serious. But I was looking into Kodak's super super eight millimeter film and like, yeah, the black and white is way cheaper. Like it, it's gonna because I mean when you start looking at cost of film and then cost of processing, the lab fees and stuff, it's like, yeah, dude, the film is almost if you get color or even it's super not even eight, the cost. I'd almost... be afraid of them damaging the shit. We gotta talk about the ending of this movie though. So oh yeah, he, he, God, he we're, sent we're the there. chick down the hill to get him some ding dongs and milk, and it turns out while she was there, she called the cops so that to force him to leave her and leave her there, and um. But he's like, we can still make it, baby. So he runs down, and his friend gives him this money, and then he ends up throwing a gun into the street for him. And like the girl's like, no, because like, they're coming. Because because like, he's literally. like, he's like, tell me you don't love me, and she's like, I don't love you. And he's like, you liar, you little liar. Like so, like they are legit in love now at this point. And like he actually, if he didn't actually love her, he just would have like ran away as quick as he could. But like he still wants to get the money so he can go away with her and shit. And like right. th- this is like the best ending of just about any movie, and, th- and this ending is what really sold this movie on me. Honestly, like the first time I watched it, I was like, this part here where he gets like all the cops are co- all the cop cars come and they're all covering him. They got all their guns trained on him, and he just starts fucking singing breathless to her in the middle of the street. And then like the cops are like, what the fuck is this weirdo doing? He's singing and dancing in the middle of the street. We're about to blow his ass away. He's a cop killer. Like they don't even really need an excuse. Like they're ready to shoot him fucking anyway. But when it, of course, it ends with him like dancing and shit, and then he reaches down and he goes for the gun and it just freeze frames. And that's well, I love how he's dancing around the gun. Yeah, like, this is like some this is some shit you get in like natural born killers or some shit like that. This is some, some fucking some Mickey stuff. and Mallory bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it really is some Mickey and Mallory stuff. Yeah. Maybe he was inspired when he was writing. I don't. I mean, I haven't read what uh, Tarantino's original story or whatever was like, but I'm wondering if he was inspired by this uh, when he was writing that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So there probably is some inspiration in his work, uh, but it's but it's but it's never made it into his actual output as far as directing. So yeah, and then but. That freeze frame, oh, like, I always ahead. wonder what happened to her because she's like running towards him. Like, maybe she got hit by the fucking bullets too. Because like, you well, know, those cops are just gonna start unloading on him. I told you what the extended. So this, that's another thing about this fucking fun city is that you get this alternative ending. It's not really an alternative ending. It's actually an extended ending. Yeah. Where the cops blow him away and she comes up and he pretty much Richard Gere's character pretty much dies in her arms. Yeah. And so we get an extended ending, which has never, I guess it's never been, I don't think it's ever been, I I don't want to say it's never been seen, but I don't think it's been on a release or something, so. I gotta say, like, if you actually (laughs) saw him die and shit, like, it would be so much less powerful. Like, it would be so much less cool, you know? I I liked it. I kind of, I kind of felt like that was a better, I don't know, for the, like, I guess there is, you know, for not being somebody that's romantic, that was pretty romantic. Yeah, so, it was. You know, the extended ending with her. And you also, know, too, him. like, even though you know there's no way, like, he would live, it still leaves that open to, like, oh, like, you know. Maybe he maybe yeah. he shot, maybe one got past the shootout. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too, about why it's cut like that abruptly is because uh, Jim McBride straight up says, they couldn't afford to bring everybody. Mainly, I want—I know what he wants to say. We couldn't afford to bring fucking Richard Gere back. Yeah. We could afford to bring everybody but him back. I thought it was per- even the shot of him because it's like his back and he's dipping down and pulling the gun up and it just freeze frames for a second and then cuts to black. 
Like, I don't know. I just thought, I think it's the perfect ending to fucking just about any movie. Well, Jim McBride in the little interview says that he prefers this ending. Like, he yeah. prefers it like this, where it leaves it open, and this is what he's had. He says, even though, like, basically they wanted to, like, do reshoots, but they couldn't afford it, so he cuts it abruptly. Yeah. He prefers this ending as opposed to the other one. I, I, again, you know, I prefer the the little bit more extended because it's more romantic maybe boo would have preferred it yeah. too as well because she sounds like a real romantic type individual when the hard so. cut she was just like oh my god like, <laughs> 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 but i like i don't know i did, like to me like i like that's what hooked me on this movie the first time i saw it because because you don't really know where it's heading the whole movie they're just running around he's trying to get money and shit and right it's, and it's just kind of you don't really know where it's going to end up but it's just like it's like yeah like and i love movies where like you know the people die at the end and shit too like i'm a sucker for those type of endings but like the fact that they do it where it's so cool where like like up until the end he's still just like the fucking goofball like i just love that he never changes the whole movie honestly yeah no i mean he's yeah he pretty much i mean it's over like a two-day period too so i mean you know really he doesn't have a he doesn't really have a lot of time uh to grow as a character yeah (laughs) i guess the thing i really like about this and like what is over is just like i just fucking love how alive he is and i know he's crazy and he's doomed and he has no future and he's fucking stupid but he's got so much life in him man like he's just so fucking like and i and i really like the early parts where he's just crazy about her and he's like come on baby we gotta like it's just it's just so fucking fun to watch go yeah it's just so fun to watch a man and a woman be that way with each other especially in today's sexless fucking wasteland of garbage cinema you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah i mean i don't disagree with you on that like it's definitely of its era and, and, like, the way he's always telling her, baby, with me, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Like, he's always like that. It's like, that's how fucking I am as a person. Like, you know, I'm just like, either I give a shit about something or I don't fucking care at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is definitely, it's it, this is a unique film. I, th- I got to give it to Jim McBride. Yeah. I just think his, like, style and, like, his, it's really his influences. It's clear he's, like, um, get this Jerry. I mean, Let's face it here. I don't know. We brought it up enough, but um, I know we mentioned Jerry Lee Lewis, but like, it's almost like um, Richard Gere's character is like trying to be Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. He he like he's trying to imitate him. If like I mean maybe that's always since the first time I ever saw this movie, I got that feeling that that is exactly what this character is trying to do. And maybe I'm in, maybe, I don't know if you got that vibe or not, but no, I think I Tarantino gets that vibe too as well. So, yeah. and it's, it's clearly too, cause it's just like Jerry Lewis is so like 1950s and this is like the early eighties. And it's just like, it's just cool that like a guy is like, so kind of like out of time, you know, out of sync with the current time, but he just is who he is. You know what I mean? yeah he doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't fit like i don't know i mean i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't born until 86 but and you know you maybe you can vouch for this was there guys like running around with this this whole rockabilly thing still pretty heavy there was a rockabilly resurgence around that time like for sure because like even me and boo were talking about that last night but it's like i don't think he was really like the hipster like (laughs) like he got into the resurgence i think when he i think he loves it because like you know like this movie takes place in the very early 80s and he's probably in his mid-30s i think he just 
always loved that music from when he was a little kid when it was originally around you know what i mean like maybe his dad or his older brother was always playing it so he was never he never like went out of that style it was rocking the entire time it was just always who he fucking was yeah interestingly enough when i lived in nashville there was like i don't want to say it was a resurgence there was just like there was a bunch of different rockabilly i don't know they were kind of like it's kind of a mix now, the rockabilly uh, thing, the, the look and stuff, because it's yeah. kind of mixed with this, like, rock, like, hard rock. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, they'll have piercings and stuff like that and be, like, kind of, like, almost like uh, rockabilly, but, like, a little bit of biker yeah, rock in there, too. Yeah, rockabilly punk melded together for a while, Yeah, too, yeah, it's yeah. got, like, a punk vibe. And, and there's psychobilly, which is really, like, punk rock. Yeah, I think that's really what I was yeah. seeing down there was, like, the psychobilly type thing. But, like, there was a couple of bars I uh, would go to. And, like, I remember I went on this date with this chick, and, like, I got that rockabilly. And she was, like, in the you know, horror films, and like, I don't know, independent cinema, different stuff, like, you know, underground stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I never really got, that's not really my thing. I mean, I could vibe with it and stuff, but like, eh, whatever. It, it's so crazy <laughs> though. Cause like, I try to like explain, cause like my mom at one point was asking me about booze tattoos. Cause like her original tattoos on each arm, she has like the swallows, you know, like that's really like a, like she has a blue one and a red one that's like a rockabilly tattoo and like my mom was asking about them i was like yeah they're rockabilly tattoos and fucking my mom who like my 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 uncle my mom's brother was like obsessed with elvis and my you know my uncle had the fucking pompadour and all that shit and i tried to explain to my mom what rockabilly was and she like could not grasp it i was like i was like it's it all comes out of fucking elvis and jerry well it's further than that it goes back to johnny cash johnny cash is like the originator of the rockabilly thing like um i got a record from sun sun records like all this classic stuff and like he was kind of doing this like he's the one that really started this kind of i don't think he purposely i think like people were like really like johnny cash's all black man in black style that he'd been rocking like that whole time and they took it to like another level and uh, it also kind of I don't know if the rock, if like the Memphis uh, Southern thing came before, but like then it melds into that whole um, West Coast surf fucking thing yeah. too as well. Like, and I met a bunch of. I remember this kid was like way younger than me. I worked at the salad shop in Nashville. He didn't dress like it or anything, but we would go in there and we do prep work. And like at first, I didn't really like him that much because like I'm like, what's what is up with this fucking hipster kid? And he would go in, he would get in there before me, and he would put the fucking radio on, uh, I don't know, whatever, one of these satellite radio thing was put the fucking yeah. surf music shit on. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I, I like the ventures a little bit, man, but like I can't yeah. listen to this for fucking six hours, guy. Like, what is your thing with this? <laughs> then we started talking, he's like, really, he's like, we started talking about film because I was going to the uh, convention in Nashville, the horror convention. And he was like, oh, man, I'm really into all that stuff, too. And I was like, okay, I, I see what it is. I see now. And then we kind of became buddies and stuff like that. But, like, at first I was like, who the fuck is this kid? Who does he think he is? Like, I, I didn't like I didn't like him initially. Yeah. <laughs> the surf shit constantly. Yeah. Yeah, my, my dad was really into the Ventures. Uh, I still, mm. I guess still got my dad's Ventures album that he Dick fucked. Dick Dale shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. used to go see Dick Dale. I was like Link Ray too. Um, yeah, I still got my dad's Ventures album that he like shoplifted out of a department store when he was like thirteen or fourteen years old. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I think Link. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, I love I, them all, but I think out of all of them, Link Ray is actually my favorite. 
Link Ray's, uh, I think it's Jack the Ripper, was actually in Breathless twice. Oh, like, okay. Like the, yeah. scene, the scenes where he's like running through the junkyard and through the streets. It's like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just yeah. some fucking. I've restarted the movie and I'm just watching him drive through the desert. Like, this is some pure grade fucking. Ke- like, you need to chop this Kino up and snort it up your fucking nose if you haven't seen it yet. Well, I mean, as a whole, like, I mean, it's a pretty. I mean, I like the film a lot and stuff. It's not like. I don't know if it makes, like. It might make a top 50 list for me. And I'm sure it's probably higher up on Tarantino's list or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't exactly know what his opinion is now as opposed to 94, 95. I mean, yeah. it sounded like this was the greatest thing since sliced bread to him. He probably doesn't like it anymore. It, he probably doesn't because yeah. he's done it like to death already. Yeah, he too stole much. it all already. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's he, already, he already wrote Clarence from True Romance. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, True Romance is really... If you think about it, True Romance is breath. Is his version yeah. of Breathless? It's pretty mean, much what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't, you know, but like stylistically or from like a filmmaker's standpoint, like this should be shown in film schools and stuff and studied yeah. shot for shot and stuff like that and analyzed and stuff like that for, I mean, just like stylistic technique and stuff like that. Um, Definitely any of, you know, as far as what I've seen, I've only seen a couple of Jim McBride's films, but you could also, Great Balls of Fire, you could also get into that too as well. Which, how weird is it? Because I didn't know until we started talking a couple days, like I didn't know Jim McBride made Great Balls of Fire. Like how fucking obsessed with Jerry Lee Lewis was he that he made Richard Gere be all about Jerry Lee Lewis in this movie? And then he actually makes the Jerry Lee Lewis biopic. Well, he used to, he must have had some kind of relationship with Jerry Lee Lewis for Breathless. I was thinking maybe to license the music or something. So, yeah. and then maybe that's how developing uh, the biopic came along. But like I said, Jerry Lee Lewis, fucking, of course, the killer here. He he recently passed away too. Uh, he did. Not too he was long shocked. Ago. I mean, yeah. he was always super old, but yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe he'd lived that long as much like the way his lifestyle and everything. I'm like, I, I was a, it was like four years ago and I was like, I watched an interview with him. Or, uh, interview, maybe it was like two years ago, maybe even. It was like, he's still alive? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked. So. Dude, like I have the craziest story. So like when I was like 20 years old, I wasn't 21 yet. I, was, I remember I was 20 years old. Me and my dad drove up from like the Cincinnati area to Indianapolis. It's like for whatever it was, 130, 140 miles. We went to go see Link Ray. Like, we got up there super early. Like, it was still daytime and shit. It was probably, like, an hour or two before showtime. Nobody was there. They wouldn't let me in the venue. It was a 21 and over venue. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, sorry, we can't let we let you in. And, like, my dad talked to the guy for, like, 20 minutes. And it was just, like, because he didn't know him and shit. They wouldn't let me in to see Link Ray. And the guy's like, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis is playing tonight the same, you know, uh, across town someplace. You can get in there. And my dad was like, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis, though. It's like, it's not Link Ray. So my dad went and watched Link Ray. Like, I hung out, like, the, the in the car in, like, the back of the venue, like, the back door of the venue where I could, like, kind of hear the fucking music. <laughs> I was back there for, like, three hours. Like, nothing, nothing to drink, nothing to fucking eat. And But, but how weird is it that Link Ray and Jerry Lee Lewis, like, I mean, this would have been, like, the 90s or whatever, <laughs> late 90s, mid-90s. How crazy is it they were playing fucking the same town at the same... Like, what are the odds of that? That's fucking weird. Maybe they had, like, the same agent or something at the time. But what's... What's even what's even more fascinating is that your dad was willing to yeah. let you dehydrate and suffer yeah. to go see this show. I remember it was warm out too. Yeah, like. I was, <laughs> I mean... 
your dad's fucking awesome. He reminds me of uh, fucking uh, the father that you never wanted. Yeah. <laughs> like, he'll 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 fucking no. I know your dad was cool. And yeah, I'm, I'm talking cool. shit in the back of the day and stuff. I know, but he's just so that's so hardcore. Like he was yeah. like, hey, you'll suffer because I came all the way for this. Show yeah, I mean to I'm be fair, we drove like. Fun two and a half hours to get there if it was like a local show like local town we just probably would have went and done something else but yeah well it wasn't like i guess the other thing too is it wasn't like you were like 12 or something no it was like you're a grown-ass man you can figure out something go get laid or something yeah i mean i could have walked down the street and done something i mean yeah so you guys didn't get to go see jerry lee lewis though i would have been all about jerry lee lewis man like i don't know yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, Let's do both shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, sh- I should have been, like, drop me off at the place with Jerry Lee. I'll go see that and then just pick me right. up later. That's what I would have done now. Just I mean, they're both fucking legends. I mean, I, right. I was disappointed, too, because, like, at the time, like, we had the Link Ray box set on CD and I listened to it all the fucking time. But, like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah no, that's, you know, you know, and, like, that's, what is that? The first, the, the Link Ray track, is that the first track we hear on the soundtrack? I can't remember. I, the, uh, Wikipedia has the uh, as the. I guess there has never been officially a soundtrack. No, yeah, that's what it said for Breathless. But uh, if you go to Wikipedia, uh, no, Mink Neville is the yeah. is the first track. Is Link like, Race on here though? Yeah, it's Jack the Ripper is the song. Uh, but um, it's not on the. Oh wait, yep, yep. It's not a track eleven. Yeah. So, it's in the. It's yeah. in the credits for the movie. The end credits of the movie. But like they play like a little piece <laughs> of it at first, and then they really play it when he's running through that junkyard and the guys are all chasing him and shit. Well, they only get. I'm looking at this list and they really only got the Breathless of Jerry Lee Lewis and then High School Confidential. They didn't. Yeah. They've got Presley, Suspicious Minds. Uh, they didn't really get a ton. I mean, no. granted, looking at everyone, yeah, the most tracks are Jerry Lee Lewis, but there's only two, and uh, you know, so yeah. But yeah, look, look. Well, uh, I t- I talked a little bit about uh, what what um, was on the extras of the Fun City edition, and uh, but it was released in May May third. 1983 and um yeah it made uh almost 20 million uh for a seven and a half million dollar budget and you said you thought it didn't do well but i would say I by mean, just, 1983 yeah. standards it did do really I, well yeah it did it did way more than break even I mean, <laughs> even if you factor in advertising for a couple million it's still i just always heard it was a bomb and it was hated because how dare you make or remake John Lugar and all that kind of shit, but like, right? And everybody hated the girl, and I'm like, I mean, even now at my age now, but you know, when I originally saw this, however long ago it was, at least a decade ago for some, it's just like, I don't know, she's cool with me. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody can enjoy your like whatever, you know, female leads that we have now, but yeah, I don't know. That's all. I mean, if you go like I was looking on um, Reddit about like a, like comparing the transfers and everything like that of all three transfers and all they could talk about was uh valerie Kapins- yeah. kaprisky's like fucking her and like her previous films and yeah. how hot she is and yeah. like so but like a little bit about uh lm kit carson i'm looking at here uh, did you know he was married to karen black he had a, a son with that. her yeah. hunter carson which i think 
he might have went on. I could have sworn I was reading a, like a couple weeks ago that he went on to do some stuff. Uh, he did, the too. son here. Well, it makes sense though. Yeah. You know, uh, Kit Carson's your dad, and Karen Black's your mom. Like you would work. You would. You'd think you'd end up moving into having a film career. Karen so. Black was but, a great actress too, by the way. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, Kit Carson though died in his sleep uh, tw- in uh, 2014 um, of pneumonia. So he was 73 years old. Um, Jim McBride's still alive. He looked real healthy. I mean, I, you know, he looked like he might have like the start of COPD. Yeah. A little bit going on and stuff. But I mean, the guy's like 80. For I think his he's age. 80. Yeah, he's yeah, I mean, you know. You're gonna have some breathe, especially if you're a smoker. Yeah, or so you everybody like was a- back then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, what's what's Richard Gere doing now? I mean, like I saw he oh. was doing some stuff, but anything big? I'm trying to think. Um, he's looking rough. He does definitely doesn't have. Them. I mean, he's in his upper sixties, I believe. No, uh, he's seventy three. I've just okay, seventy three. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like how when you search him on IMDb, the first thing that comes up is actor Chicago 2002. It's like that was not fucking <laughs> the biggest thing he's ever did. Yeah, I'm like looking. I'm trying. Well, I'm on his uh, Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually, his last thing was uh, Arbitrage. And he won. A, he was nominated for a Golden Globe. That was in 2013. Yeah, yeah was like I remember when that came thing. out in 2012. He was also in Movie 43, which is always considered the worst movie ever made. But yeah, so this is I think his much... last his last big film was probably Runaway Bride. Yeah. 2000. I think that's his last. Like his latest shit is I... this year he has Maybe I Do. He was on a show Oh, called... he is working on some stuff. He was on a show in 2019. So he took like 4 years off. 2019 Mother Father Son. All one Martha word. knows best. He plays Three himself. Christ, I don't know the dinner. Like he really has been doing like nothing bullshit for a long yeah. time. I think arbitrage. Yeah. Well, he doesn't remember, have to. I remember arbitrage and the double came out like kind of back to back. I remember those are like the last time. And, like I remember arbitrage came out, but it was like a limited release movie, so it had all these. Brooklyn's Finest. That movie's fucking awesome. Have you seen Brooklyn's Finest, Bat? So fuck. Okay, Mm-mm. Richard Gere, Don Cheadle, Wesley Snipes. It's about Ethan oh, Hawke. It's, it's about cast. three different cops. Like Don Cheadle's an undercover guy. Richard Gere is a guy who's like retiring. He's a street cop who's retiring after like thirty years, and he's trying to help this hooker. He's banging. Like it's. It, I think that's probably his last good thing. Uh, he's got a bigger name film here. Uh, I don't know if it's out yet or not. It says 2023. It's called Maybe I Do, and it's got yeah. Diane Keaton, Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, uh, Emma Roberts, and William H Macy. So this is pretty. This looks pretty fucking big. I mean, this has got yeah. some big names. So looks honestly, like it came though, out January looks like it already came out. <clears throat> January, so it is out. Yeah, this might have went. I don't think this hit theaters, but you know, if you look at these, like everyone that's in this, yeah, yeah they were like a listers. But the only one that's actually like active heavyweight lately is William H Macy. Yeah, a lot I of mean, people in this cast are older too, which Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood doesn't like older people apparently. Hollywood just yeah I mean diversity like a lot inclusion of these act- but only if you're under thirty five. Yeah, what's up with yeah? I mean, I I was wondering what the fuck like I mean you know you think about it though there is like 
I don't know. I mean, you know, Bruce Willis. I mean, granted, he's done with what his health issues. I'm yeah. surprised. I was surprised when I walked into Walmart a couple of weeks ago and there was a new movie on the rack with him. And I'm I like, yeah, when did he shoot movie. this? Because yeah. I don't think he even knows where the fuck he is. Like from what I was reading, what yeah, his like point, kids were saying, like yeah. he doesn't even know where the fuck he is now. Like I'm pretty sure he's pooping in his pants now. So. <laughs> I don't he think it's that did... bad, but I, yeah, I don't think. Well, it's getting pretty there. bad. Yeah. Like he's done. Like he, I think he announced that he's done. Like working. Oh yeah, he right? retired like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like, too, that this illness that he has, this is like, yeah. what is it, like some kind of dementia Aphasia, or something? Like, yeah, it's like dementia. Yeah, some yeah. weird thing. But remember that interview where people were like, there's, I don't know, they were trying to talk about he was like programmed or something, but yeah. he had like this weird thing where he started jibber jabbering a bunch of gobbledygook. It yeah. sounds like that illness was starting then. Yeah, it's been slowly progressing, I'd say, the last three yeah. or four years. And that's that's why he was he rushed all these movies out because he was working with the same producer and the producer knew what was going on with them so he would work with them. And he's doing all these shitty B movies and everybody was just making fun of him like, why does he make this shit? He he Bruce Willis is so washed up he like fucking people had, there was like a year straight of just Bruce Willis getting mocked nonstop. And then people were like and finally like he was like, I'm not you know well he actually he didn't even say it, but they announced he retired and then his wife was like, Yeah, right. he's got this disease and people were like Oh, that sucks, but I already made a lot of uh, monetary value off my YouTube video, so let's just leave him up. With, like, I was like, how do you know this man has a mental health issue? Uh, Were you ragged on him? Yeah, and you, you, like, you've already got the money. Okay, cool. Like, you're not going to give the money back. You're not going to donate the money. But it's like, but take that shit down now, motherfucker. Right. No, but it's still there, and you just have to look back in the context that we're making fun of a man with mental illness. It's like, okay, cool. Let's talk. Let's talk I, some more about uh, awareness and <laughs> yeah. caring well, about people. Well, I'm gonna. I'll come out and say like I haven't really later day, especially with uh, what the Kevin, what Kevin Smith, uh, you know, what ordeal. And I don't think that had anything to do with like the stuff I was hearing him say. Kevin Smith was saying with working with him on a cop out was that we're back to like the Richard Gear yeah. pompous ass like. Oh, Kevin Smith's gonna direct my film. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a hell of a time. Like, who does he think he is? Like, well, a lister also, also type too, attitude. I, I, I am a Kevin Smith fan. I am a Kevin Smith defender. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but he milked that shit for so long because he even said like when the studio paid Bruce a couple million more to come back for the reshoots, all of a sudden he came back and he was great and had a great attitude. And it's just like, to me personally, like I'm just more about like where my relationship ends with somebody and if it ended on a good note i wouldn't really need to spend 20 years ragging the guy and telling the story right. for money you know what i mean like yeah i guess that's i guess that's true you know and it just but you know like i don't know i mean i i haven't really there hasn't really and you might name a bunch of stuff i don't follow bruce willis and i never watched yeah. cop out i mean even before i, I like heard cop all that out. stuff like I never watched it because it just doesn't seem like something I'd really be into. I just finally watched fucking Jersey Girl, and that came out when I was like my yeah. senior. Jersey year, Girl's dude. the only one I have. Only Kevin Smith movie I have that and Clerks Three. I still haven't gotten around to watching Clerks Three yet. But uh... oh, Clerks Three is dude. You're really doing. That's like the best film he's made in like probably since Red State, dude. Like. Yeah, I want to. I, I mean, I have a copy. I just want to watch it, but I yeah. just haven't really been watching too many movies other than you know. Well, it's kind of depri- – I will prepare you. I don't want to give away too much, I know, but yeah, I know it's, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's depressing. Which is really and like, what I need in my life right now. But. No, right. Exactly. That's why Newt's like, I love that movie. I've seen it. I've watched it like 30 times, and I'm like, no, it's great. No, but I, like every time I'm like, 
But what do, do I got to get all teary eyed and shit? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel fair, like though, that. Clerks like... 2 was super fucking depressing. And, and uh, dude, I didn't even like, I don't like it. And I try, and I tried to, Newt's like, it's great. You just don't know what's good. And I'm like, no, dude, there's something about it. So after I watched Clerks 3, I went back and watched it and I came to the conclusion the reason I don't like it is because the quick stop is actually a character yeah. and it's lacking the quick stop. And, yeah. What's great about three is that we're back at the quick stop again, and it's just like, yeah, the quick stop is a character. And like when you t- remove this this integral part of the film, it's like there's just something that's like, okay, it's yeah, missing. it's all the cast of the clerks of clerks, but it's not. Although it's like, I it's did like, like the fast food rush, I'm not gonna lie, I did like the, the mo- movies, the movies yeah, thing. I did like it. Yeah, I think the thing too. The other thing I didn't like was the whole donkey show bullshit at the end that, that, that was that the worst part of it that was but, but also too i just have a hard time believing that rosario dawson would fuck dante especially rosario <laughs> yes. dawson in her prime and like they try to nerd right. her up and give her glasses but i'm like dude it's still fucking rosario dawson like, right come on. right and he's, yeah, and he's still him you know what i mean like the right. guy's still you know him um, you know, but no, I mean, I, I, I just can't, you know, I'm not, and I don't like, you know, as far as like, I don't like yoga hosers. No, nope, I love yoga hosers. Happening. It's good. I haven't seen Tusk. Uh, Tusk all the stuff good. I've heard about Tusk is like, I need to get on that and stuff. And Hey, I just finally watched Jersey girl. So yeah, here's the thing too. about Jersey girl. I want to say, I know we got off on fucking Kevin Smith now, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jersey girl, like, I don't think I think if I saw back when I was in high school or maybe it came out after I graduated or whatever, but it was the same year. And um, I think if I had seen it, then I would have hated it. I remember reading about it and was like, this does not sound like a Kevin Smith film that I want to see. But now that I'm a parent, like now I'm a father, I liked it. And I think that that's key. Like if you're if you're a parent, I'm not a parent, but I'm old now. So I think I would like it probably. Well, it's set in like the 90s too as well. Like I know it came out in 05 because I remember him announcing – I could have sworn he announced that movie in like 99, 2000 and it took like a while for him to get – yeah, so I think he wrote it in like the late '90s, and uh, and then shopped it around for a while. Because I was like, when I saw the date on it, I was like, I, could, I I thought this came out '99, and it was '05, and I was like, oh, it must have taken him a while to get it, all, you know, get somebody to pick it up. But yeah, it takes place in like the '90s, so like you might like that aspect of it yeah. too, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if I'll buy it or anything. Like, I don't love it. I'm like. But it was okay. It sounds like it wasn't it was at least you know, a one-time watch. Worth oh, it. yeah, dude. It's definitely worth a one-time watch. I don't know if you need to go and buy it. Maybe if yeah. you see it on Tubi or streaming somewhere. I think like, we might have a copy because Boo was buying up all the Ben Affleck movies. We actually might have a copy of it already. That, I feel like that was the first uh, Benefer uh, Probably. Com- combo or whatever. We need Geely on Blu-ray, though. Geely's actually <sighs> a fun movie. God, I would never... I just remember... I remember um, uh, Tom Green when he had his little talk show and he was giggly. like, "Giggly." <laughs> so he's like, no, "Is Jimmy's that what it's called, Giggly?" Ben plays a palooka, and then like Jennifer Lopez is a super hot lesbian. He's trying to turn her straight, and she there's like this line where she talks, "Isn't about that sucking his dick?" Hold for on, is it? Wait a minute. Isn't that Chasing Amy? You just described the plot yeah, of Chasing it's, Amy. It's the same, but this one he is. Yeah, the, like it's uh, Chasing Amy. Yeah. I think this is the movie that inspired that simple Jack shit in Tropic Thunder too, because they have to kidnap a guy. Like uh, he's not he's not mentally retarded, but he has some sort of disorder, like 
almost like a Rain Man type situation going on. Hmm. And I think I think that's what really turned crazy. But Al Pacino shows up as a, a like a cameo of a you know a oh, gangster oh. guy, and he's like, "I gotta tell you, whatever you got going on here is not good. Oh wow, oh, you got a great ass." <laughs> Yeah. So, so he's like, well, old man, son of son of a woman. Yeah, kind of. Oh, maybe I'll see it. I don't know. It's really, what bad. pushed me, what pushed me to even even give Jersey Girl a chance was because yeah. Kevin Smith directed it. Yeah, like, sure. if Kevin Smith hadn't directed that one, I would have never. And Jennifer Lopez, really, I don't know if you know what the plot is. Yeah, but she, she's she not gets in it. Killed, yeah. Yeah. Well, she. I guess this movie's from 2005. I heard they were and, and coming out with a new cut, movie. though. They had more of her scenes in it. Did you hear that? That just came out like a week ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically, the plot is that she dies during childbirth, right. and then like Ben is fucking left to raise their daughter by and, well. And there was like well, originally more scenes, himself, but yeah, but, but then the, the yeah. whatever public turned against them, so they had to chop it down. Yeah, well, the public turned against him because he said some stuff about how Will Smith wasn't because he was like some kind of manager or whatever mm-hmm. the record label. Yeah, and uh, that Will Smith, like, would we will we even be talking about Will Smith in like ten years? Come on, like yeah. this guy's like a basically like you know flavor of the month thing. Yeah, and then Will Smith's actually that was another thing that kind of blew me away, and I kind of was like. I was kind of thinking about that, how like yeah, when he was doing uh, when he did uh, Smith did. Um, uh, Silent Bob and J- Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and stuff. Like he had a whole orchestra for the soundtrack and stuff, and he was like at his peak. Yeah. Uh, because he was able to get Will Smith for this movie, and he plays himself, and it's like a cameo, and it's just like, wow, like like you could do that now, dude. Like yeah. I don't think so, but you know he could pull this shit off, and obviously I think he fucked himself. Whatever, he probably did a little too much talking about his distaste working with. Bruce Willis on Cop Out, mm-hmm. and that pretty much ended his like big budget, big Hollywood career. Well, also in, in Red yeah. Red uh, Red State, where he was like uh, basically fucked the studios and like shopped it around yeah. and like you know did that roadshow thing. Like yeah. he pissed a lot of people off of that deal, too. rightly so. Like I, you know, I know what he was trying to do. I don't think it worked out the what he was planning. Like. I'm a, I'm the fucking filmmaker. I'm the fucking talent. I'm the visionary. Not I, you, Hollywood studio. Like I, mean, I this is yeah. my movie. You know. I I, th- I think I think it worked out in terms of it established the thing he could do, and he's kind of done that with all his later movies and shit to help recoup some money and shit. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I don't, I don't think I don't know though. It's hard to say because I know on Red State there's a reason why the blue was out of print, and supposedly it's coming back in print. Was there some people that like they weren't really movie people? They just some people. Was that, that Lionsgate who bought that, or was that Weinstein Company who? No, it was Lionsgate who released it, but Lionsgate okay. doesn't own it because he had the private investors back it. So yeah. like Lionsgate's yeah. whatever option or whatever ran out. That's why the the movie was out of print for a couple of years, and now now supposedly because supposedly he'd been trying to get it back in print, but the people who originally invested like he couldn't get a hold of them. Or, I don't know. He always claims all this shit of like I can't get a hold of people who own my movies. I'm such a victim. But like, yeah, supposedly he's worked something out because the people were just like, whatever, dude. Like we we made that movie a long time ago. Like we don't give a shit if people can still watch it or not. And supposedly he's brokered some sort of deal where it's coming back in print. But it ain't like a situation like Dogma where it's like, yep, we're pretty no. much going to have to wait for Harvey Weinstein to croak for yeah. you to be able to. You, you really fucked family. up by not yeah. buying. You know, that's why I was talking to Newt because we were having like a little 
Kevin Smith because he's you know he's a huge fan. I'm sure he'll be listening to this, so he'll his ego will be getting stroked. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about. Um, we I feel like everybody about... on this show likes Kevin Smith because Zach yeah. likes Kevin Smith too. Like, whereas everybody outside of the show is like, Kevin Smith sucks. Let's go watch they, Marvel they movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like everything like he does. No, like, but I mean, a... Clerks Three is fucking great, though. It's definitely you know. I mean, compared me. to your average director on IMDb, come on, dude, he's made or some like the good or shit. like the ones that are directing fucking the superhero shit yeah. or whatever. Taking up and the it... ass for Marvel. Yeah, right. But, um, no, uh, you know, with Clerks 3, I want to say that he, like, was boasting here how he's, like, got, like, I think, like, a five-picture deal or something from um, a Lionsgate, and it sounds like they're, like, $10 million budgets, and I know yeah, he's working they, on... They make money. That's the thing. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Clerks 3 did really good, so they're greenlit. Um, the next mall, he's doing, like, a mall rats too. Finally, yeah. And, he's been and trying I, to get that off the ground for, like, 10 years. No, and I think he's doing. Um, I think he's going to do a chasing Amy too. But anyway, I picked up these comics. He put out these comic books uh, recently. There's four of them that just came out. I think like around Christmas, and they're called Quick Stops. And each one of them have like a story, and one of them has like a cha- like the first issue is like a chasing Amy type. Uh, it's you know. Yeah, Ben and jo- Joey Lorian Adams character, and they're like at some Comic Con telling some old stories. And apparently, uh, Holden used to work at Quick Stop. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah, it tells how uh, Jay got the um, Quick Stop smock and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, apparently, yeah. he stole it from Holden's character when he was working at Quick Stop or whatever. So, I don't, you know, he's got some stories, so I feel like. I don't know if he said he was. I heard something that there might be a Chasing Amy 2 or whatever. I know that movie didn't do really that well, but it didn't cost very much either. It was like 700000 Yeah, it was, it was a good hit for, like, I think it made like, you know, like $15 million or something, but it only cost like really like a million all in to make. Yeah, with, with marketing and yeah. like post-production. I think just to shoot it, though, it was like 750000 or something like it was very low budget, yeah. but. No, I know Mallrats. Actually, that kind of got him back on the map. They were, like, impressed that he was able to make so much money with so little spent. But uh, yeah. Mallrats almost ended his career that had just gotten off the ground. Well, so. also, also, too, he went back into the arms of the <clears throat> Weinstein because he did, you know, well, I mean, he did, you know, the Weinsteins got clerks and made a shitload of money off of that. And then he went to a real movie studio, Universal, to do Mallrats, and, you know, it flopped. And then he Didn't they do Silent Bob and Jay, Jay and Silent yeah. Bob Strike Back too? I mean, well? once Chase and Amy happened, like pretty much all his shit was with Miramax for a long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, you know, I got high hopes for him after seeing Clerks Three, and it's like I don't know. I mean, uh, it's just like, yeah, man, you need to stop being thrown like these outlandish budgets, yeah. and uh, you need to work like because you seem to work best with little to nothing. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, yeah, but he's always going to be the guy who makes movies about people talking. Like, you don't need big stars to do that. It's always going to be cheap right. to film, you know? Yeah, he needs to, go, I guess, go back to that because that's what he's good at and stuff like that. So, and I personally really like Chasing Amy, so, and I, and I like Mallrats, so I'm, like, really welcoming. Well, the, and... the best thing about Jay and Silent Bob Reboot was the Chasing Amy segment where, uh, yeah, that the was. I really and didn't like that meet film. At the Comic Con again. Yeah, when they when they do meet up at the Comic Con, I really didn't like that film overall. But yeah, you're right. When yeah, you that bring was the that best up, part. I, I really mean, I bought the five dollar blue yeah. just for that scene, honestly. 
Yeah, yeah. You know what? If I fight it for five dollars, I may pick it up uh, for just that scene because that really is great. It's Lionsgate like a little shit mini. goes cheap on yeah. uh, Black Friday ish. But yeah, overall, like, re- it's like, how do you fuck up a Jay, you know, uh, a Jay and Silent Bob movie? Like, I don't Try know how you do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the movie, to me personally, the movie didn't offend me. Like, it wasn't bad in any way. It just what you just it was what it was. It was the next generation. Your favorite characters are old and sad now. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what everything is yeah. like. You love these characters, like the new Indiana Jones. Look how old and sad he is. He's retired. He's old and sad. It's like is that out yet? I, I think it comes that, out like yeah. June or something, but they, but oh, they just okay. released a new trailer this week, so everybody's like hip hopping about it. But yeah, it's like who gives it? Okay, we he's old. He's old. guess what? He was old and sad in the last one they made twenty years ago. Big fucking deal. The uh, yeah. Crystal Skull. Yeah, they're like they're yeah. like. But last time he had Shia LaBeouf to uh, tell him how old and sad he was. This time right. he's got, he's got his his goddaughter. She's going to come. It's just okay. We oh, get it. Is that oh, what it's, yeah. I Not short round. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we don't cast old Asian men in movies. We're Disney. We cast young hip women to tell the old white man that he's old and sad. Old Asian women. Yeah. <laughs> They're like short rounds fifty. Come on, we're all about we're Disney. We're all about diversity and inclusion. Yeah, but, well, but only well, under the they, age of thirty five. You need to bring short round back. You just want to fuck an Academy yeah. Award. Jesus you know those fuckers man. are gonna yeah. film some terrible cameo and slip it in there. And go see, see, we knew all along. Like, see, we knew he was great. Yeah. We did do it. No, he was talking about how he was disappointed that he didn't. Um, yeah. He didn't get like a cameo or yeah. anything. So like, people are why would he? They don't care about him. Huh? They got, Disney's all about the white British women. The, I'm so out of touch with yeah. the, all that stuff that was hot and everyone was talking about. I yeah. have not seen one. Of, have you seen any of those films that were hot at the Academy Awards? Like, I know they were like I, I saw know the, the one that short round was for, that everybody and, raved about, and I didn't really think it was that great to be honest. Which with. one is it? The everything all at once shit. Like it was yeah, just like a meme movie. J- didn't Jamie Lee? J- didn't Jamie Lee yeah. one? When, okay, because they let her be fat in the movie. Okay, great. Give her. An I thought she won for uh, best uh, Dahmer glasses in twenty twenty three. She won for best uh, <laughs> fat upper pussy area because that's what she was bragging about having during the president. Finally, a movie where they let my gut hang out. I was like, yeah, I saw I seen the movie, Jamie. You got that ill fitting shirt on. It's great. Be proud of that. Don't be proud of well, like like emotion and the ability to cry on camera like don't don't be proud of your acting be proud that they let your gut come up i just feel like i don't even i don't even need to watch the role i just know what it is and i'm pretty sure that they were like let's throw jamie lee a bone yeah like that's really why she won the academy it wasn't for her performance you know what it It was was, because of who her parents are and how long she's been in hollywood Mm -hmm. And they just threw her a bone. I mean, basically, they do yeah, those like lifetime bone. achievement ones, and they thought that maybe that would be like a slap in the face if they gave her that. So they gave her the one for an actual film. Well, the, the thing is, is like, <laughs> I mean, that movie literally features dildos being shoved up people's asses. That's how really that's how avant garde of fucking oh, okay. wacky meme culture it is. But no, I mean. I'm glad Michelle Yeoh and uh, Short Round Ki Kwan won. Like they play, yeah. they, they play husband and wife. Like they have a good like emotional, you know, you know what I mean. Like they they have good scenes together. There's like different multiverse versions of their character. They're good together. They they both deserve to win a war. I have no problem with that. But Jamie Lee Curtis was just in there having uh, uh, hot dog fingers and crying over muffins and bullshit. Like it was just that's where the that's where the hot dog fingers I heard about. Yeah, that. and then like oh, her yeah. fake kung fu fighting, which was god awful to watch. Like it's just it just was fucking cringe. 
cringe hurt like all the Jamie Lee Curtis parts of that movie were fucking cringe. And then to make it even more cringe, they gave her an Academy Award for yeah, it. Yeah, that's where I was like, really? There's no there's no <laughs> other woman in this fucking world in this last year that's done a better performance than Jamie Lee Hot Dog Fingers <laughs> Curtis. Like, they're like, but she's not the sex symbol anymore. Like she she her boobs are oh, down. Oh shit. That's like okay, we get it, we get it. She, like like I mean, I knew five years ago when she came back as Lori Strode, I knew she was an older woman then. Like you don't have to get her a fucking well, award for that, you know. Well, it sounds like she won for like a really lousy reason. So she could have yeah. very well won for her lousy performance in Halloween Kills, where she just lays in the hospital about the entire fucking movie. <laughs> I, would have, I would have enjoyed that better, right? Or the Halloween ends where she's like, "You gotta grab life by its big tits and say, here I am." <laughs> I'm celebrating fucking Halloween after 20 years of being locked up and afraid of Michael Myers. Her performance wasn't like, I'm not really Halloween ends. Like now I've watched it like four times and like, I do kind of see where people are like, yeah, this is terrible. Like, I don't know. And I know you really liked it and said fanboys were just shitting on it. I really, overall, I don't, I got the 4k here and cause I got a good deal on it, on it. Uh, like eBay, this guy was auctioning a bunch of stuff off and, I just seen how much it was going for, and I'm like, I need to complete the franchise. Mm-hmm. I have everything now. I need this, and might as well get it on 4K or whatever. But like, since I bought it, like, because I saw it like streaming, I have had no desire to put this fucker in. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but like, I don't. Maybe in like, I you know, I really didn't like that first one of the new series. But like, honestly, I think now that thinking... first one of the new series was actually my least favorite out of the three. To be honest with you. Well, I went and saw it in theaters and was super fucking disappointed with it. But now in retrospect, looking at, like, all three of them, and I really like overall Kills is probably the best. But her her performance out of those three films, the first one was the best. Like, she was actually approaching it seriously, whereas, like, I don't know what the fuck happened and that ends. Like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think that was a serious performance. I don't know what it was exactly, but I, I I liked Halloween Ends as a movie. I just think the worst thing about it was her performance, <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't like the There's type of perfor- about it. Yeah, it's, it wasn't even it, the type of performance that like ruined the movie. It just it just did nothing. It just was there. You know what I mean? Well, it's like it also like it feels like okay now she's become old Laurie Strode from 1978, right? Yeah, but with like uh, you know Jamie Lee's acting experience over all the years, so she tried to like I don't know like combine it, and it yeah. didn't. It, it just felt like I don't know fake. Like it didn't. It didn't feel real. Like I don't it, know. It, it I mean, like, it, it's it didn't even feel like a movie that was part of like the previous movies. It just felt like she no. just came in cold and was basically just like reading shit off a teleprompter. Yeah, there was something, about, and I mean, even kills though. She clearly was like phoning, like, "Give me the paycheck." I'm like on screen, like, I am not doing absolutely. It's almost like she told the directors, like, "I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm just gonna lay here. Like, I, I've had a rough month, and like, I'm tired. So, <laughs> but can you, you just write me in the bed? Like, I'm tired." You know what, though, honestly, like, I know you always bring that up as like a whatever, you know criticism i just think it's odd like i know they're trying to do like a nod to the original two but like her performance in the original two is great like her like i really i know a lot of people shit on the original two 
But I think her performance is fucking amazing. Like, she was actually trying to, like, win an Academy Award for that performance. Like, I believed she was afraid. Like, yeah. she was she was seriously, like, seemed like she was out of her fucking mind from the night before. and Or, like, the earlier in the night. And, like, that she's like, this is going to continue on? What the fuck? And, um, yeah. no, I mean, I don't, you know, to this other you know, Halloween kills. I don't like literally she was just like lazy. Like, she just seemed lazy. Well, I, think, I personally think the movie would have suffered if it would have been all about her again. Like we just had a whole movie that like, by all means there's other people that live True. in this town. And like, especially, especially the way they did the story of like Michael Myers really didn't care about her in the previous right. movie. Like why would he right. just keep chasing her and chasing her if he doesn't care about her? You know what I mean? Yeah, I you know I don't I see they tried to go to like a different direction, but they tried to like the problem with ends is they just went I don't know they just went in a bizarre route or whatever. So, but yeah, it's just like weird that like this this film this A twenty four film and like she won, she finally wins an Academy Award. Like yeah. honestly, she should have won an Academy Award for like a lot more pre maybe like not so much ninety stuff, but like. I don't know her performance in Trading Places as a hooker. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know. Well, let's like, be honest. I, she hasn't had a lot of parts that are really Academy Award worthy. I mean, honestly, let's be realistic about it. Like, I really like her character in Trading Places, even though it's not just the fact that that's the first time we see uh, her topless in the yeah. mirror and shit, like, and she's in her prime and stuff. But I really like her performance. I mean, I guess you probably she probably didn't get nominated nominated because it's a fucking comedy. Right. But like her performance was real <clears throat> in the film. Like, yeah, it was. she wasn't playing a comedic role. She was like down and out. Like, I'm a prostitute. Like, I want a better life. This is like you know not the yeah. greatest yeah. for me and yeah it's not a good life getting fucked by guys for money right you know and like you know you want to look back at her like pat like uh h2o i know a lot of people shit on h2o but she actually like didn't phone that one in she actually like tried hard to give 110 percent in that performance h2o is kind of a lackluster cliched movie but her performance in it is good yeah, it's not her fault that the writing and they were like trying to go with the token black rapper guy. With I mean, I do oh, like LL Cool J. That shit is what kills that movie. Is all that corny shit and that garbage. I do like LL Cool J. I like LL Cool J as an actor yeah. too, but I like him in shit like I think In Too Deep and I like I like shit. I like him in Any Given Sunday. I like it where it's like a role that's appropriate. Having him play this corn like I'm going to believe LL Cool J is sitting in this guard booth talking to his wife all night on the phone uh telling her shit out of his romance novel he's right it's like get it that's just like corny sitcom level meme humor like get the fuck out of here with that shit like if he just would have played like a tough guy like a fucking like yeah i'm the security guard of this school like if anybody tries to break in i'll fuck him up like that would have been fine but just like that was more believable yeah (laughs) but 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 you know a guy who's like you know he goes from playing an NFL running back in one movie to his next film. He's fucking sitting there in a guard booth fucking talking about a baby. And then when the roses come out and the wine and the champagne. Oh, yeah, that's my romance novel. I'm right. It's just like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, it's like, are you really trying to entertain the moms in the back of the theater that fucking hard? I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I love that. I oh, love that subplot. I want to I want to know how his, how, how his uh, romance novel heavens. career worked out. Oh, <laughs> fucking brutal i didn't think that was like i don't know that it was like whatever like you know i get what they were doing 
I get that it was filler. You know, I get what it was they were doing and stuff like that. That was, you know. I don't know. I mean, it was, dude, it has, like, if you're nostalgic for that dimension, late Which 90s I am, feel. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it now. Like, people were ragging on Scream and shit yeah. like that. Like, this is ruining the horror genre. Like, I remember hearing that constantly yeah. or, like... People would say why Romero couldn't get work was because they yeah. want him. He doesn't. He refuses to make at the time. Like he was refusing movie, to yeah. make those type of movies, and that's why like guys like him and John Car. Well, but John Carpenter did work at the end. But I mean, if you like yeah. Ghosts of Mars, but you know, I actually did. They were just yeah. Well, I know. It, I, it surprisingly, did. a lot of people like that it film. I hate. I'll be honest. I was disappointed the first time I saw it, but I was falling asleep in the theater. I just didn't sleep the night before. And it's like right. it's one of those things like if you're just expecting like a great John Carpenter movie like yeah it seems like some modern day sloppy It's on some Escape thing. from LA shit yeah, honestly but, it has that feel But if you're a fan well, I of like, like Escape a, from LA I might be one of the few that like actually Escape like from that LA film too. Yeah. yeah But um <clears throat> I don't know, like, like if you're a fan of, like, Assault on Precinct 13, because, like, Ghost from Mars is really a sci-fi remake of Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah. Because yeah. Assault on Precinct 13 is actually my favorite John Carpenter movie, believe it or not, but, um... Is it really? Yeah, yeah. but, uh... Like, I don't know, like, it's it's cool, like, and it's just cool to, like, basically, like, you don't really see this in movies anymore, because uh, they really need to sit around and talk some more in horror movies now, but, like, I like when you can create, like, a basically a, a vast army of monsters that you can just fucking blow up and shoot and chop their heads <laughs> off, you know what I mean? Like, right. now, now it's, like, it's very contained, it's very cerebral, there is a there is a house with an evil mother in it, and now we have to keep that very focused. Uh, it's just, like, okay, like, that shit's boring to me. But, yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, the late 90s, like, compared to now like yeah, yeah. we do get <clears throat> occasional hard hitters and yeah. like um because it's not really a studio system anymore like you got <clears throat> uh a lot of different a24 and a lot of these like i don't some people are saying they're not studios well yeah they yeah. kind of are they're like little mini studios if they, ha- like if they the- have a brand that people go to see <clears throat> just because it's an a24 like half the a24 right. movies people blow they just blow because it's a24 Right, and now we've got that um, company that's putting out Cronenberg and a Sun stuff, yeah. and they're doing like the what are they like French or something? I can't remember I what, so, what are they yeah. called. Neon. Yeah, neon. Neon's like Neon's that too. To be and, the new A twenty four. Yeah, they are, and like honestly, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, Infinity Pool. Um, Crimes of the Future is like it's good. I mean, you know, well, compared to like uh, Cronenberg not doing body horror for like you know, it's not yeah. his greatest work, but no. you know, they're gonna it's let a, they, like, really they're producing the. Yeah, no, it's good, and um, <clears throat> I think the new film he's producing is uh, Neon. Neon's distributing it, right? The one he's working on, or whatever so, yeah. he's got. He's got a new production. And, you know, these guys, let's be honest, nobody wants to touch these guys. Nobody. Mm-mm. And it's Mm-mm. like, if they can find a place, a company that, like, okay, they make one movie and then it makes money, that company will stick by them for a couple movies. You know what I mean? It's pretty much their Lionsgate. And I'm yeah. sure Lionsgate would love to do the next Cronenberg. I just don't think they'll pay Cronenberg what he wants. I think Lionsgate, I think honestly, is just trying to be too mainstream. I think Lions. Who who is that? Cronenberg? No, Lionsgate is trying to be oh, too Lionsgate. mainstream. Oh, Lionsgate. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like yeah, like, they're... like they can wrap their heads around a weird Kevin Smith movie because it's really not going to be that weird. But like because it's do, a comedy. Yeah, though, to do too. some Cronenberg yeah. shit, it's, they're going to be like, right. how do we sell this? Like you know, right. 
But they've sold fucking edgy, and they still work with uh, Rob Zombie. Yeah, so, they used to be edgy. You know. Now it's just like the Rob Zombie well, shit is just a slam dunk, though, for them because Rob Zombie has a bill of the names. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be any good. Yeah, although the months, the Monsters movie, it's testing whether or not that name although, is yeah, is going to do it. Was different. It was, <laughs> it was the Universal direct to video shit, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it. So I, I loved I, it. I, 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 I bought the T-shirts, won't. baby. I got the T-shirts. Jeez. It's Please, come on, man. Who's the creep with the gibberish? It's Zombo. No, I just wish he would have done the um, the T Rex fucking project based off of get the, the graphic though, novel. The nail. Yeah. He he tried for years. I know, and I think it has to do with uh, like. Uh, artist who was it that he worked uh, with it on I, I remember when he was like dropping all the stuff the artist uh, that worked on it was like I don't know anything about this and I think they both like co-owned it and I think he was trying to do some like backdoor shit where he was trying to produce a film version and didn't want to pay mm. <laughs> for it and I think Could that's be. what happened it got shut down because of uh, people that were involved you know people that were involved with the graphic novel previously and he just didn't want to cut them in but that probably would have been one of his more promising projects and i still think he should look i mean you got eli roth finally getting thanksgiving off the ground i mean yeah that was weird there's somebody out here would be willing to probably produce it shop it around rob like i don't know you need something fucking after i just three think it's hell, weird God. that like all horror that comes out in the theater makes money and then they're like the studios are like well i don't know if this horror thing is going to last it's only been around since 1933 and it's always it, right you know what i mean it's just like it's always weird how they're like oh i don't know i don't know if we can do that it's actually actually the first film that was ever shot thomas edison shot a fucking horror short thing so like actually the first film that was ever shot was a scary movie that's what i want to make man i want to make a black and white movie that's just about some creepy fucking thing crawling through a window at night you know what i mean oh getting back to uh yeah. like uh uh like, I don't know. No it's school techniques. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, Hooper did that, and like, it's so fucking effective. Yeah. Like in Salem's Lot, with yeah. the kid flying up to the window and Creepy. tapping on the fucking yeah. window, it always fucking makes yeah. my skin crawl. Let me in, shit. Yeah. Yeah, let me in and shit. Yeah, man. Like, I think that still works That's today. All you need, man, yeah. you don't need these fucking CGI. Uh, exorcism <clears throat> eyelids flipping out and fucking doing stupid. Shit. Well, it's harder to get. It's harder now. You're to get uh, the lenses, the yeah. like the the contact lenses. They have to have like a prescription. Yeah. You got to go to like a doctor Make now. Sure like you can't fuck up the eye and shit. Yeah, because it's so dangerous, and it just probably makes a lot of the actors back in the day that were wearing them on set for fucking days on end. It's like no wonder I can't see anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. But yeah, no, man, like I, I like the direction the way everything's going. And like, I hope that um, we are getting kind of a new uh, Ruskino resurgence kind of thing where people are going off in the independent studios. And yeah, well, I you, think you, you know what whole... I think's happening is the mainstream is like movies were too profitable for too long for like companies, studios, whoever financiers, they had to get involved in the movie industry and they had to make garbage and they had to make sure that garbage had X amount of screens and hogged up video and hogged up networks and hog and it's just like the movie industry is not that profitable anymore at least not the way it was so it's like you have those people dropping out so like there's not as much trash like the the sheer amount of films coming up 
Like I think they were crying like last year theaters were going out of business because there was like 40% less movies. So it's like it's like the people that actually care about movies and actually can put a few million dollars into making a good movie is like those people are getting like more of a chance to play in theaters again to have their movie get some press coverage, have their movie get distributed. You know what I mean? I just I don't think that there is I don't think there's less movies. I just think that there's less bigger movies being made. I think that there's more movies than even 30 years ago being produced actively. Yeah, I mean, if you count actively. all the little ones and shit, I'm, t- yeah, I'm talking about, like, wide release movies. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of talking about. Yeah. 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 I don't, yeah, I don't know what direction things are going to go into, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's the right direction. Hopefully it's, like, the late 60s, yeah. early 70s, uh, new Hollywood. Not even shit, Hollywood, man. just fresh blood. You know? Yeah, just new people, new ideas. I mean, Disney is just like, they're just busy announcing all the remakes, and it's like, that's kind of the opposite of what we need in movies right now. We need less remakes. Well, they're finding, I guess, uh, well, you know, Black Adam didn't do very well. Apparently, no. Ant-Man didn't do very well. No. Uh, the new Shazam didn't do, didn't do very yeah. well. So, I think they're finding out, oh, this is not a sure thing yeah. for us anymore. It, well, now also, too, it's just, it's just if you look at the box office... Uh, it's harder to pull people out to theaters now for whatever reason. There's a million different reasons people can think of, but like, and it's like being the five millionth comic book film in a row. Like, you know, it's like there's still some of the highest grossing movies, but it's like at the same time, it's yeah. like people are like, okay, I can wait for whatever streaming video, whatever, because I've seen eight movies like this before. You know, what I mean? right? Yeah, that's what I. You know, I was going to go see the Ant-Man 3 or whatever in theaters because I, I really do like that friend. You know, I like that comic book character and stuff. I'm not really a huge but it doesn't superhero like fan. An but... movie, dude. It really does. That's what everyone's saying. It, it and feels like this, a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's too much CGI. And, and the most important character in it is the daughter, not him, not the Wasp. Like, I like Well, that's because they're pushing her. She's yeah. going to be the one to go. That character is going to be the one to go on to later films. Yeah, because or whatever, she's so. a younger talent that costs less. So. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think Paul Rudd's probably like starting yeah. to see the writing on the wall yeah. here. Like, you better transition into some next big thing that's going to be, you know. And he's a good actor. He's so a great I, actor, yeah. Yeah. And he's like been around for so long and yeah. stuff, but uh, it's just like you know you got to ask yourself, well, like the writing's on the wall on this these projects. I like, think it's funny though that they push claim, me out. Yeah, they claim stars don't don't exist or don't matter anymore. And like if you look at Marvel, like when they replaced all their big name actors that they used to have with these like cheap unknown talent, you know, whatever actors, like the movies do less. So it's like, hmm. <laughs> Well, look at uh, what are they going to do with like, it sounds like Jeremy Renner is reconsidering yeah. what his career is going to be like after getting run over by the yeah, I mean, snow I cat. He, I don't think he could physically make any movie right now. He looks, I saw him in that, oh, I don't know if it was the 2020 or whatever yeah. I saw him. He looks like he made a really great recovery. Oh, he's making a great recovery, don't get me wrong, but he still can't really walk. Like, Yeah, are you going to be able to do all the Even when he's on a treadmill, he still yeah. needs like the anti-gravity thing on his legs to help. Yeah, him. you could say one leg in that interview, I could see that the one leg that's like bad or whatever is like smaller. I mean, I mean honestly, you know, I don't know the man's business and finances. I'm sure he has millions of dollars. He only has one daughter, so it's not like he's... Oh, yeah. 
they did the interview in his yeah. home, and he's like living in yeah. lavish luxury, man. And, but like, I mean, and just, you know why? Yeah. You know why he fucking recovered from that so quickly too? Is because he's got money. He's yeah. got the, they, they the didn't best want him to die. <laughs> and... But no, but I was what I was saying is like it, it's just a miracle that man's alive. Honestly, so. oh yeah, definitely. I would think, I would think too, just like that near death experience and everything for him. He's like probably reconsidering like yeah. he's got all the money like he probably wants to like he, he saw death and right. i if i were in his position i'd be just, like yeah. I, I think i want to enjoy life and not focus so much work in my ass i'm sure because exactly. disney is probably slave driving him and shit and like let's do more let's do more let's do this let's do well, that he, well and, his tv show the hawkeye tv show was actually about him <laughs> passing the torch to a young woman who, oh so it all yeah. works out yeah. for him he's, he's already yeah. passed the torch he's not really hawkeye anymore so he kind of already, thankfully for Disney, he already made his swan, so they don't have to try and get him back now. But no, I, I think right. if anything, if he does go back to acting here in a year or two, when he gets, you know, hopefully, God willing, the guy can walk on his own again, you know, and be normal and work a full day's work. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably, honestly, if I had to put money on it, dude, I think he's going to go back to playing Dahmer. Oh, man. So that's what I wanted to bring up. The first time I ever saw this man, and I always, anytime yeah. everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know him, and from this and that, and I'm like, yeah, first time I ever saw him was his performance in Dahmer. Dahmer blew yeah. me a fucking away. And a lot of people just don't even, they're like, what? He played Jeffrey Dahmer? And I'm like, yeah, he did it way before, and he yeah. did it. I mean, no, like, don't get me wrong. Evan Peters' performance was fucking yeah, great, yeah. Dude. <laughs> but... <clears throat> I'm sure Evan Peters watched that original oh, that, he had that to. He had Jeremy to. Renner biopic, you know. And then even before that, there's also the one that came out just a couple years ago, My Best Friend Dahmer. My Best Friend Dahmer, yeah, yeah with the guy, the kid that he was Friends younger, with, teenage yeah. Dahmer, yeah. That guy was real good too in that movie. But Jeremy Renner was playing, um, which wasn't super as believable, obviously, because yeah. he didn't look that young. But he played teenage Dahmer yeah. too in the biopic. So. But, but to be fair, if you if you look at that that Dahmer movie that Jeremy Renner made, like there was a heavy emphasis on the, you know, the, the gay sex encounters of Dahmer. So like, oh, yeah. you really could like, there's no way legally you could have got a 15, 16 year old kid to star in that movie. You know, you had to get it. I think Jeremy Renner was probably like 26, 27 when he made that movie. Like, you know, you had to get an adult to play that kind of complexity. Well, of a role. You know, and Evan Peters does still look really young. Yeah. So it worked for the like teenage shit in the TV show. And I still have yet to go back and I've only watched the first episode still. No, I watched like the first four episodes, but like I said, and watching them back to back and I was just like, this is a bit much for my sensibilities. Yeah. Like, cause I don't, well, I don't on watch that last like that. Sale, I actually yeah. picked up the Dahmer movie with Jeremy Renner and also my best friend Dahmer. I, I, I haven't seen my best friend Dahmer. I've been wanting to see it since it came out. So I'm actually going to go. I got the DVD. I got it yeah. when it first came out. Yeah. yeah I actually, I'm actually yeah. going to go. I've seen parts of my best friend Dahmer on cable, but never from beginning to end. But I'm actually going to go through, it... watch those and then probably finish the Evan Peters series. Yeah, my best friend Dahmer is based off this comic book that came out some years ago, and that's uh, who they kind of co-produced it with, the, his, which was his buddy. Yeah. He went off and became a comic book comic artist book guy, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and so it's different. You know, it's definitely different. I don't think it's as good as the Jeremy Renner biopic and everything, yeah. but you got to think when that came out, you had the Ted Bundy one right. that was great. The Ted the Bundy, Bundy one's pretty good. And the yeah. Gacy one mm. came out. I've never seen yeah. the Gacy one, I don't think. Oh. Dude, the Gacy one is... They're it's all got like, the guy from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, right? <laughs> and he is so fucking good in it, yeah. dude. Um, no, it, they all have like that... that uh, 
almost like nine late nineties, early two thousands yeah. shot shot for made for TV they, lifetime they, feel they to feel it. Like they're made all made by the same guy, even though they're not. Yeah. Yeah, they all have that like look and feel. It almost is like a lifetime movie, but it's fucking all fucked up content and I'm stuff. I'm pretty so. sure that the, the guy who made the Ted Bundy one, the director, was the guy who made Freeway with uh, Reese Witherspoon. And, uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that sure. why uh, VS did the? Because yeah. they put them out like around the same time yeah. or whatever here. Yeah, I need to pick that. I mean, I'm I'm gonna they wait got on Freeway a sale. Two coming with uh, our boy it's Vincent already, Gallo. I thought it was already out. I thought well, they already, they're yeah, pumping it out. I, they're pumping a lot out. Um, I gotta say though, they're that great, they're they a just great put out company. We love them so much. VS. Yes. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're, solid they're solid dressing syndrome. They're great. They put out Showgirls. That's their new big yeah, that, title. The forty dollar one that had people coming in their pants the second they. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, the there's a few things like. Syndrome. Well, I finally just picked up Infernal Rapist, which, guys, if you're wondering about Infernal, I didn't buy it from them. I bought it used on eBay. This guy probably one of the one-time watches on eBay. Yeah, it was one of the one-time watches, and I'm glad that I went that route and didn't buy it for thirty bucks off of uh, VS because uh, this movie is just. I mean, if you want this fucking psychotic Mexican dude that just runs around raping yeah. people and he's trying to carve six 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 into them, and as soon as they He's not even raping him. He's like not a bad looking guy. And the girls are like all into him until he's like, and he's even like, get he gets every one of them to shoot up heroin. Okay. And they're all cool with Yeah, that. I saw that in the trailer actually. He was got <laughs> yeah. shooting heroin. But as soon as he says he wants, he's like, all talks about like Satan and wanting to carve 666 into him, that's when they get scared. And yeah. it's pretty much like every victim, it's pretty much like, Okay, we've shot up heroin and I fucked you, but now I want to carve six 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 into you, and yeah, pretty much that's like every one. Like this is like a series of those scenes over and over and over. Again. So, yeah, I don't know. I the, it's got a great slipcover though. There's probably a lot of one-time watch copies of it going up on eBay as we speak. Yeah, I got it for like sixteen bucks, and that's like way better than. But yeah. I don't even know if it was worth that now in <laughs> retrospect. So yeah, right. <laughs> but I just want to warn people out there if you were if you were thinking about this film, I'd probably wait till you, you'd probably it's, be like better off if you want something of low quality like that. You'd probably be better off just going to the Kino Lorber sale and getting Butcher Baker yeah, Candlestick right. Nightmare Maker for nine ninety nine. <laughs> Candlestick Maker. <laughs> That's what it's taken off of the title. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. By the time you probably put this up, I don't know. We, you were real quick with the Nightcrawler. What yeah. you put it up in like it, three, it four depends days, on if I'm so. sitting on episodes or not. Because me and Zach were supposed to record another thing this week, but his computer had problems. So uh, yeah, so I'll, this might go up. This, this will probably go up during the work week. It's Saturday we're recording. This will probably go up Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Oh, okay. So the sale, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But Kino's uh, running their spring uh, sale. I don't know yeah. if it's just through the weekend or if it's going to run for a little usually bit. Kino their usually sales does. have been lasting like two weeks. So I think we sometimes think... the last thirty days. Yeah, or they whatever. will. <clears throat> so yeah, they're doing a great sale right now. We might as well push this because this is like I think we can both agree that like for um, the bang. price, yeah, bang for in the bang, yeah, the quality and overall, like Kino is probably the best boutique uh, right now out there. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, they're doing a spring sale and there's over 800 fucking titles right now. And uh, we both, I've been, I've got stuff added. And then you're telling me about more stuff that I've yeah. missed. So now you I'm going to have executioner song. Yeah. You need, you need the big easy. <laughs> That's don't, right. Don't I got to get those. Some, 
Jim McBride stuff. We need, we need a supporter boy, Jim McBride. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Olive, it looks like that Olive Great Balls of Fire release just went out of print, so maybe Kino Lorber. It seems to be when the other boutiques lose the rights, somehow Kino <laughs> or, Kino, or, you yeah, know. Kino has, Kino, there's somebody else, there's another small company too has been snapping up old Olive titles. But Olive titles are weird, dude. Like, they'll go out of print and they'll come back in print suddenly and then be back out of print. I almost think somebody at Olive is like, the shit's hitting the fan business wise and i think whenever they can they're just running off copies whether they have a license or not <laughs> oh yeah that makes well you know i was looking too. uh for instance so severin i've been after that it's in a box set it just it hasn't even dropped it comes out next month i believe uh, lady frankenstein's in this whatever box set they've got that's overpriced but i noticed um <clears throat> because uh um shout factory did like this is doing this roger corman sale right now i don't didn't really want to promote that too heavy i mean it's okay i mean i hear that there there's a rumor that the, some of the corman stuff is going to go out of print but then you were like well don't they own yeah that i thought stuff? they made like, a big out. deal that they bought his whole catalog and shit but well i think what's going on is that if that rumor is out there it may just be that the blu-rays are going out of print yeah. so they can make room for all the 4ks they're trying yeah. to release so they're just trying to sell off because the 4ks will have the blu-ray in it probably too right Right, and uh, they'll probably do multi-packs. But I noticed that there was a, a multi-pack. I think it maybe it was a Corman multi-pack, or I don't know. I, th- I think Corman did actually get Lady Frankenstein and, and uh, had pushed it here in the States. But that one may very well be – they might be losing the rights on that because there's a four-pack, DVD four-pack, that has Lady Frankenstein. I'm like, wait a minute. How are you able to sell that when Severin owns the rights to it? But I yeah. know – these companies usually don't mind if it's like a format they're not putting out. So yeah. like, I don't think uh, Severin announced they weren't doing any more DVDs and have been trying to desperately sell off all their back right. DVD stock. So it feels like they let them get a pass. And also the whole Vinegar Syndrome Synapse thriller debacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vin- Vinegar which, Syndrome still letting Synapse sell the DVD of Thriller. So yeah, which like by the know. way, for something that was such a big fucking who to do, like talk I about know. something that just disappeared in the middle of the night. I just fucking I just finally put on Thriller and watched, and I know you must have watched it here, and I was like, yeah, check the other four K. This was pretty lack. This was actually pretty lackluster for like this. Supposedly is supposed to be like the fucking their biggest release and like who knows when and like I don't know. How many emails did we get hyping that shit up to? Oh, you don't even uh, understand what we got coming. You you people with your you got your shelves or your movies. You don't understand until the authorized version of Thriller, a cruel picture presented exclusively like by Brad Henderson's Vinegar Syndrome. (laughs) It's just like get the fuck out of here. I gotta say, yeah, and they started like a whole thing. Like I don't know if that was i don't know if my conspiracy theory that they were like in bed with don may on that whole thing or if they really just burned bridges with him i don't think they burned bridges i think it was a friendly spat (laughs) i think that's what it fucking was i I don't know what exactly it was or whatever but it was just like a whole bunch of hoopla i will say uh i watched the blu-ray it's like night and day compared to uh don may's original you know uh transfer dvd transfer and whatever print he's been using i never opened his blu-ray that i bought because you told me it was like going up and it seems to still be like 
fifty dollar yeah. fucking people want that one for I would some just reason. Sell it because you have the other version. I would just was. I know, it. and I finally did open it. Well, I will say VS's transfer. No, there. I mean, here's the thing: we we can't deny that VS doesn't do good fucking. Let, let's give these guys. Yeah, they might be fucking carnival barkers and whatever else they might Their even early like that shit, we called though, them dog. That. Their early shit had they just left scratches <laughs> in it all some of the early shit i got like graduation oh. day and shit yeah um but you know you nowadays they're not that's just not gonna fly and people will be no, really because they're selling you know, 50 baseball cards i know yeah and so but we gotta say we gotta give them credit where credit's due their transfers are fucking pretty great and like they did you know with uh the uh, Flesh for Frankenstein, they corrected the uh, situation with that one mm-hmm. really quick. They're not like pulling some fucking, I don't know, arrow. They're, they're, they're fine. They're, they are perfectly fine. Um, they're, they're nowhere near the They're just really expensive, and they have yeah. this weird marketing thing where it's like uh, about the slip covers. Yeah, yeah and it's a little, they figured out this collectible um formula that seems to be working i don't know how long that's going to last because it reminds me of the old comic book variant covers of the 90s and stuff and uh you know i think that's what we're going to be heading into and a lot of boutiques are getting into this it's not just them no yeah Uh, severin's notorious for this Uh, shout factory is doing the screen factory you know is doing this and even akito lorber's doing it they're not pushing it as hard no And their titles are not fifty, you know, eighty dollars no. a fucking release either. Like some of the other but ones, you, are like you know, why Kino does it, dude. Kino is like, if you want to be a pre-order, if you want to be a day one person, like we'll give you some boring little slip cover just so you feel like you have a special whatever. If you want a special little edition, if you want to pay right. ten bucks later on, you'll just get it without the slip cover, and it'll be exactly like I appreciate that a lot more than like. Get ready, fuckers, because you don't even understand what <laughs> we got coming in six knock months. Your socks here. off, baby. yeah. It's like yeah, exclusive. <laughs> we can't even show you a picture of what it looks like. You so you can decide whether you're like. But like my thing, bad. When you're saying like, how long will this last? It's like okay, when you got ten, you got twenty, you got thirty, you even got fifty primo pre-ordered slipcover editions on your shelf. But the, the rate that they're releasing all this shit. When these fuckers, when they get their 300th or 320th or 350th fucking exclusive fucking limited time slip cover, like, isn't it just the novelty going to wear off of fucking eventually? You know what I mean? It, you know, it seems like it. I don't know. Like I said, with this whole Infernal Ravis, I really liked all the artwork and stuff, and that's what got me to buy it. So I think that um, it's really got to be fucking awesome artwork you really got to get find like a really good artist and stuff and uh you know somebody might put a book out like in 20 years about slipcover art and stuff like that a coffee table book i can see people talking about this down the road and it comparing it to like I don't know. Uh, I, I get it, too. It's kind of like VHS artwork where, you know, you were like, oh, my God, that movie had the greatest artwork. The movie stunk. You know, right. we're getting back into that, I guess. And so there's an appreciation for that. But it's just like my problem, of course, and I know you agree, I agree with me on this is it just comes back to like, yeah, but you're like asking for hand over fist for this. Yeah artwork for me to pay you for this artwork and it's like i'm not even paying for like a signed print no 
or something. Like, yeah, if have you the gave actor like sign the shit. Of, Do something. Yeah, yeah, have the artist sign it would be great. No, yeah. then they would be like, oh, you want signed signed uh, slipcover, huh? And then they'll just justify more, charging yeah. us more. Like, I mean, me, me personally, yeah. because uh, steelbooks and slipcovers kind of came with Slipcovers were just an afterthought. It was just like a weird marketing thing, you know, on major studio releases at first. And it's like, the steelbook craze kind of came and slipcovers were like an afterthought but then as the steelbook thing got old to people then people were starting oh but i want it with the slipcover i want it the slipcover especially when like most slipcovers back then were just a reprint of what was already on the front of the thing so to me and it's, a lot of them are now too yeah to me it's just weird that the even vs vs has a going on yeah the so, whole steelbook thing has uh, gone away and we're just all about cardboard now it's like okay well, I've seen some. I guess there's some. I don't have any, but I guess there's some uh, steel books that come with a slipcover. Yeah, there's there's the ones now. Well, for a while, the Lionsgate ones are cool because they do a plastic one that's like see through. Oh, is that like, who's doing it? it? But the worst right now is Paramount. Like, I like I got the Running Man one, and it's like it's just a cardboard okay. slipcover that goes off the steel book. I'm like, I guess it's cool that this like will protect it on my shelf. But like, what's the yeah. point of this? No, it does schedule. protect your steelbook, but it's like, yeah. and, and they're not trying to like that when VS starts doing it. And this another yeah. thing, a lot of these boutiques haven't done any um, steelbooks. Well, other than what? the profit uh, margin Arrow. isn't as good as cardboard. That's why. Right. Well, yeah, right. I mean, what does it cost you, fucking pennies on the dollar, to fucking produce yeah. these slipcovers? It's a lot easier to make cardboard than it is to get uh, a fucking Scandinavian company to make that shit and ship it over in steelbooks, you know? I don't know. I am wondering who does this. Anybody out there, write into the show and tell us who's the uh, main manufacturer of slipcovers. We've been yeah. we've been trying to figure this we've out. We've been trying to get months. it down to its source so we can get in on the business. Yeah, we want to get on on this bootleg fucking slip because some of these slip covers are fucking whack as fuck, and you're like, okay, I don't want, I just want to get the standard and then make my own custom fucking one, and then also sell a few too as well, and then recoup my money. But <laughs> we should do like Harmony Green did with Trash Humpers, where he took old, uh, like old uh, fucking grocery bags and wrote Trash Humpers on them. <laughs> Sold a limited amount, and he had he had. Is a, that wait wait wait? Is that what the, the what the movie went in? Because you're the one that I think you're the one that hit me to the trash hunter. Yeah, trash hunter. I haven't seen it yet, but you, I've seen clips. Yeah. Oh, it's great! And, and he he even sold T-shirts. He got like old T-shirts out of like trash dumps and shit, and they got like old spoiled food on them. And he wrote trash humpers on them with like a magic marker, and those are limited edition too. It's fucking great. They're going for a fortune, huh? Yeah. On eBay. Well, it's not even that they're gone for a fortune. Like, he just sold them for a fortune originally. He's like, there's only 10 of them or whatever. It's so fucking funny. Well, it's like, <clears throat> you go on, we were looking on Vincent Gallo's fucking yeah, website and seeing what he was semen. fucking pulling. So, he was doing the same fucking shit. So. You just get a little uh, fucking um, website and you sell this shit, baby. Or sell your DNA, sell your fucking sperm or whatever, like yeah. Vincent Gallo's doing. So, uh, I wanted to talk about. Um, you posted a picture of the kid from Goomo, Gomo. Mm -hmm. uh, um, from I know that film was shot in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, I lived right down the street from that overpass. In a lot of places, from what I understood, uh, when I lived up in North, I'm pretty sure that's in North Nashville because that overpass or whatever that a bunch of those scenes were shot on, that's like right down was right down the street from my house actually, and that's a pretty rough um, area. I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up. 
uh, because I know you really love that film and stuff. Oh, I love and it, uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a rougher area um, that I lived in for a while there. I never had any problems or whatever. So like, yeah, basically, if you're like a white guy that doesn't like, mind your own business and stuff, really, I mean, yeah, you, you might catch a bullet if you're like in the wrong area at the wrong time. I mean, there is chances of that. But really, if you like not getting in any drug dealers pockets or having like weird people at your home or whatever, probably no one's going to bother you. Yeah. They might try to steal your mail looking for a fucking social security check or like something like that. And like, there's a possibility of that, but, yeah. uh, and they might steal some car parts off your car. I never had that happen either in that area, but no, I used to hear fully automatic spraying in the night. Oh, I just shit. figured they were target practicing though. Cause that's what it sounded like. It sounded like calculated and i never heard any screaming so i thought these motherfuckers are like out back shooting their fully automatic fucking machine gun dude i got a hippie to this <laughs> dude uh harmony crane's took in his trash humpers game up another level um he's he, i think he sold out of the vhs ones where he would just put stickers on instead of treasure but he's selling film prints now baby uh, he's, oh, really? He, he made five film prints. But that was shot on video. It was shot on VHS cameras, yeah. He made 35-millimeter right. <laughs> film prints. Check this out. 35-millimeter gauge acetate-based theatrical film print in color with optical sound. Each print consists of four 1,000-foot film rolls. Playable on 35-millimeter projection equipment. Each print case customized by Harmony Crane. And they got a picture of him holding up one of the film cases. And he like took some paint and like painted like a weird skeleton face on it. But they made five prints, baby. Uh, I guess they're selling this out of the UK because they got the money in pounds. They sold three out of the what? five prints, and he's selling them for seven thousand five hundred pounds, which that would be about twelve grand US, or maybe like ten, eleven grand US. So I mean, he's selling the film prints, have, baby. Wouldn't you rather have Gumo though? Like on, on like a film a, print, wasn't that yeah. shot on film though? Yeah, Gumo was. They were all shot on yeah. film. Well, no, Julian Donkey Boy was shot in like VHS, uh, not VHS, but what do you call it, uh, mini DV or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, I could take you on little tours if you love that movie so much. We could meet up in Nashville, and I can take you on like yeah, a, we during the it. day. Obviously. When I when I win the lottery, we'll go do that. Yeah, I'll take you on little fucking tours of like yeah. these. I'm sure that these are some. Of, I I don't know about all locations, but. A bunch of them, it's like, yeah, that's like right down the street. That one, like, I actually took uh, my dad and his wife came into town and they wanted to take some pictures. And they, and I was like, oh, we can take some pictures over that uh, overpass. That's like, there's a lot of traffic on that. We went and took pictures down there and stuff like that, like, uh, of them on vacation and stuff. And, <laughs> but I didn't realize it till like, I don't know, like, after I moved up here, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's fucking the, the film locations for, yeah. for Gumo. Like, he's, also like, selling, baby, he's also selling shit out of, um, out of Berlin now. He got another company, a book company. They did it. They did a picture book of Trash Humber, just photos from the movie. Or I guess they're actually more like behind-the-scenes photos. And then he painted the covers just like, like all squirreled paint and like hand painted yeah, like each hand one is hand painted the, oh, yeah wow. these books are uh whatever the german i get what is i guess these are euros 1000 euros per book he made 50 yeah. of them hey man you you're the one that loves that stuff you should be you're like a big fan you should be all over that check <laughs> check out this description baby this book trash humpers is based on the photographic research for kareen's latest directorial project the same name Released on lo-fi VHS and edited in part while blindfolded. <laughs> oh, wow. The 78-minute movie follows a gang of miscreants who ruin the streets of Nashville. So, yeah. 
So that one was shot in Nashville too, though. Yeah, that's what. Well, this he lives is, in yeah. Nashville, doesn't yeah, he? I'm pretty yeah. sure, unless he moved recently. I don't know. I, I I haven't heard too much about what he's doing after Spring Breakers. Uh. Yeah, I you know I just, I uh, I'm not that he's a bad filmmaker. I just don't you no, know. He's a great I just don't know. Like, I I'd like to see him do something more with like a budget. And, yeah. Like, I shout out. Well, he Dolph. he made that Mister Lonely one that was pretty good, where he had the 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 Disney Star Wars guy play the Michael Jackson impersonator, the Cassian Andor guy. That was actually oh, really? like a real movie, yeah. And like, he's like a he's like um, I can't remember if it starts out in Spain or where, but uh, it doesn't even have a blue. I had to fucking get the DVD. But yeah, he he's a Michael Jackson impersonator, and he goes to this like colony somewhere on this island where everybody who lives there is an impersonator, and I think he falls in love with a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Hmm. It's actually I didn't good. even hear about that film. Yeah, it came out um, <clears throat> shit probably like oh six oh eight something like that. But well, seriously, him living in Nashville, like I, I've been around that city enough and like seen a lot of locations and like a lot of great potential locations. And he has like, and like really, they don't really, they wouldn't bug you even if you're running around with a 16 or 35 millimeter camera. Yeah. I, honestly, they would just assume that you had permission. Right. Like the police are not, unless you got to like shut down the road or you're doing something dangerous. Yeah. If you were walking around, it's not like LA where they're like, you're yeah, stealing you can't a shop. Film in LA. Let sucks. me see your permit. Yeah, like nobody's gonna ask that or anything. So like, there's so many like potential backdrops of like, I don't know, man. I'd shoot some like gang movie, like some fucking deadbeat yeah. at dawn shit or something like that. It's prime for that. Or you could yeah. just do the shit where you say to people like, "Hey, man, can we film in your backyard? Hundred bucks, let us be here eight hours." I'm sure people will let you do it. Well, yeah, I mean, and like my whole thing too is though that it's like like a big city is prime for if you can get away with it and like i say nashville is one of them where people are going to just be like so impressed like oh you're working on a film you could just like lie to them and be like yeah i'm working on a student film or yeah i'm i'm, I'm we're, we're affiliated with a24 and we're shooting the next yeah. big yeah we, yeah a- yeah we, or we might, no, win a, we might we're win making a, a movie for b36 <laughs> E thirty six, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I wish I had like the fucking. I really like. I get you, like what we were talking about earlier about film and stuff. Like, I wish I had the drive and like. I don't have that anymore. Like this, like honestly, ah. I didn't either, dude. But it, it's, it's come. I say really during the pandemic times because everything's so boring and corporate and shitty. Like I've really gotten the itch. I'd say in the last two to three years again. Because for the longest time, and I guess it's different if we're talking about winning the lottery. I guess it's different if you just got fuck you money. You can just do what you want. And that's what I want. Like, I don't really want to work for anybody. I don't want to even try to make anything commercial. I just want to make some fucking Kino. Yeah, I want to try to. Well, my whole plan was like, I don't know. It was like probably in the fall was like, hmm, I'd like to get a Super 8 camera and try to like do something on film because I've never done that. And I don't know, just try to experiment and see if I can cut together like a fucking artsy fartsy like yeah. Kenneth Anger style. I think what and I would do, baby, is the I, camera. Yeah, I would get like the film camera and I would just shoot like the opening credits in film and maybe like some some like interstitial parts that's like kind of join scenes together. But I probably wouldn't try to shoot the whole thing in film, you know. You know, it's expensive and it's just like. I, obviously, I'm not gonna go do the old get the steam back and like yeah. run it through that. Like, although that might be, that actually might save me money in the long run. 
with me not and how much film is now and how much it costs to transfer it over, it would probably be, I'd be really fucking rolling the dice, potentially fucking up the film. It'd be better if I just sent it off, sent it off for, to be developed. And then they digitized it for me and put it on like a I fucking think, drive. I think that's, and what I could you, edit it. Yeah, that's what you need to do now. Cause like, <laughs> I think with me, like my biggest concern with it is like a lot of people just don't know, even if you just shoot it, take it, box it up, send it to a lab, like, like I don't want to spend like fucking thirty thousand dollars on a movie or something, and then like one important scene in the middle of the movie, like a two minute dialogue scene, was lost at the lab or got damaged. And it's like, yeah, I th- I thought about that already, and that's why you need to have at least a two camera system yeah. when you're shooting, yeah. and you People need to shoot that with, with two what, cameras. Yeah, that's what Tommy Wiseau yeah. did on the room. Mm-hmm. He shot both HD yeah. and thirty five millimeters. So. So that was my whole thing about like, okay, I need to like, well, first I need to just get and like shoot maybe like a five minute, 10 minute short where it's like, I didn't spend that much money. I only got like maybe, I don't know. What's that? Like two rolls of film. So what do I need? Four rolls of film to cover my ass and then pay for the developing and then like get it transferred and edit it on my, on my laptop or whatever. And if that works, then go get another super eight millimeter camera and try to do something like a 30 minute, 45 minute short, spend a little bit more money. Um, but yeah, I get you with like the whole winning the lottery. Cause then at that point you could, you could actually like get some, like maybe, maybe some like washed up names or, and you're, you're in court California. So you'd probably have more access to find. Oh, I would leave talent. here in a second, baby. I go shoot. I, I got it planned <laughs> out, baby. I'll shoot all my movies in Kentucky. That's where you need to go. Or somewhere down South. I mean, not Georgia, but yeah, it's like yeah, the no. South and yeah, no. And then the South, like, um, <clears throat> Lexington really has a good feel. Like I've spent a little bit of time in that it city. Uh, Louisville's real fucking dangerous these days. Like <laughs> I don't know. I haven't man. been there since I, I did stand up comedy there, maybe like two thousand. I don't know if you'd want to be shooting there. Somebody probably would probably would, try yeah. some fucking meth head would try to rob yeah. the camera or something like. And and that could happen in Nashville too, dude. Like yeah. to be honest with you, that's a da- it is kind of a dangerous. You need, city, you especially need at least the, like a security guy just to be watching somebody. Out the whole like time. W- yeah, basically that has like fucking handgun you know is able to care open carry dude, in, and, like, in san francisco like a... at the parks there like the nice parks that they have where like people go and do their engagement photos they like the the thieves like they just hang out there and they wait and they attack the uh photographers and beat them up and take all their to equipment. get the camera yeah yeah well, wasn't there like that tech guy was just stabbed to death in san francisco yeah. wasn't he and like yeah. uh i was watching the news and which i thought was kind of unusual to me but you'd know more about this they're like the crime's getting really bad here yeah it's and that's why that bad. guy got yeah. stabbed or whatever yeah. they, they like their their attitude the last few years and supposedly it's going to change supposedly a new da came in some lady who's going to be more tough but their thing was like these criminals are the best that society society has to offer. They need a second, third chance. Like, so what if they're going to rob for a living? Like, everybody's car windows are just breaking out. Like, they just people film the guys. They just walk down broad daylight, hammers, boom, boom, one car after another. Like, hit ten, twenty cars in a row. The cops don't come. The cops aren't allowed to grab them or physically touch them anymore. I'm just like, dude. Like, when you get when you get like that, dude, to that level of crime in your city, like you're just like people are just gonna leave. And I mean, I just hope they do. I just hope people abandon the fuck out of. No, not not just. I think the. I, I think the criminals are wealthier too because I saw some yeah. footage of these guys busting out back of this ride uh, in San Francisco and taking stuff out of the window when they were doing this piece on it, yeah. and they were driving around in like a Mercedes, <laughs> like the robbers. Yeah, are they wealthy. were. Yeah. 
God. Yeah. And the, th- the thing is also, too, like, I mean, you know this, bat, but it used to be if you did any crime that involved a gun, even if you didn't point the gun at people, if you had a gun on your poison If you just person, had it on you. Yeah. The, all that's how it's like they're all just doing stick-ups with a gun it's armed, it's called armed robbery even if yeah. you have a knife it's considered an armed right. robbery it's best to do an unarmed robbery because you'll get a lot less time but it's risky but if the, the guy is, does have a I gun mean, i mean it's like the cops man like they're they're they're, they're like that's why a lot of people don't want to be cops anymore it's like you're just fucked like you can't you can't really stop any crime and you can't really defend yourself so like what are you going to do just don't be a cop you know right lawlessness will have crime overrunning the cities it'll be like um the warriors yeah but we're we're creeping towards three and a half hours on a two-hour movie so i think we should wrap it up i'm sorry i'm i'm notorious for dragging it out but this has been when i come on the show somehow we always do this massive outro i mean honestly if if it was up to me i would really like to do three to four episodes a month for the the listeners because we have a lot of loyal listeners have been with us a long time but yeah. but just scheduling with people and stuff and um time zones yeah I, I can I, time zones like i can pretty much only do two a month so like i don't mind giving people a little <laughs> bit extra if they're if they're willing to you know as long as we honestly as long as we kind of like put it on the back end of the episode i don't mind yeah because they can just shut it off if they're like we yeah. want to listen like to if they don't want to hear us yeah. talk about our theories of san francisco crime they, they could have bounced 30 minutes ago I think it all works, though. I think it all gels together. We talk about a lot, a lot of different films, yeah. and we we always try to keep it in the film perspective and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So huh. we try to we, <laughs> bat thirty two and go always keep it Kino. <laughs> <laughs> got more Kino stuff planned. Like there's, yeah. we've been throwing around other title stuff that's yeah. not even hit Blu-ray and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I feel good about this year and this summer. Yeah, Kino wins more. in 2023. Yeah. And it's awesome, yeah. awesome to bring bring up Breathless and stuff. Oh, I, I hope Quentin Tarantino man. studies this. This is how yeah. you do a podcast there, Tarantino. Yeah, buddy. this is how you do it. You don't sit there yeah. and go, oh, oh, oh. And the thing about it is that you got it's like nobody wants to hear that shit, dude. I will give him credit. Listen, he on one of their episodes, he was reading uh, – the uh synopsis on a vhs box oh, okay That's on good. one of the episodes so that was cool he got that, that from Kino. goats la- uh, laser disc he stole he yeah. definitely stole that from your fucking laser disc stuff yeah, yeah. he did yeah. he did and then was it? jimmy kimmel made him do it made him read the backs he probably stole it from jimmy kimmel that was fun. No, that yeah. really was fun. That little thing where Kimmel had him. But then, the, if you read the comments on, I don't know if I sent you the link to that video. or I just told you about well, it. I had uh, seen but... it before you sent it to me. Yeah. <clears throat> if you read the comments on that video, people were like, He's, "Even when they tried to stump him, he knew who uh, brought the coffee or whatever to the director." And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, true. I mean, he knows. He knows I mean, everything." Knows I mean, I, I'm actually a big fan, but like, I gotta say, like lately, like the more I hear him talking about movies, I'm just like, "Oh god." Well, I read a little bit of his uh, his. I don't know what you want to. I guess it's like of of essay book uh and it was really good and uh you know i i didn't still haven't picked it up because i'm kind of like well maybe i'll wait for the paperback or something yeah. you know it's like something i'm gonna read hard while i'm fucking doing in between jobs and shit out here on the road yeah. beat the shit out of it throw it on the fucking seat and stuff so but no it was really good and like it was just him it was just like <clears throat> it's like listening to him talk really that's how he yeah. he's doing it is just like him talking to you about movies and 
his personal experiences and stuff. So I, yeah. it's, it was fun when I the sample I read on Amazon. So yeah, it was. But yeah, I, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in to Breathless. Like I, I'm really hoping that this can be an episode, a beacon that really pulls in the people who you know remember this movie from you know either seeing it on video or cable or whatever because it really is a movie that's uh definitely worth remembering throughout the years i think yeah i mean this was fun <clears throat> i never really other than tarantino i really have never heard anybody talk about it and when i said hey do you like this movie and you were like yeah i love this movie I've it was like all right cool this, you said this blue came around 2015 that's when this podcast started and i was like i've been wanting to do this for years and i just you, know, you just couldn't find anybody that had appreciation much. for yeah, it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like like I, w- I was gonna rope boo into it honestly and then like when it was over last night she's like i'm glad i don't have to do an episode about this she's like i don't know what i would say about this i'm like huh i think it would have been interesting to get her female perspective yeah, on like what well, we kind of did but you yeah. know what you told us about you know her reaction to it and stuff yeah. but i think that'd be a different an interesting perspective on like the characters and yeah. the female lead and stuff so because like I'm, I'm sitting here watching it and i'm just like this guy's the coolest guy i want to be him <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then she's like oh he's just like such a loser and i was like yeah he's just a palooka and she's like i don't even know what that is <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Who would win in a Kino off? Richard Gere or Vincent Gallo? Oh, Vincent Gallo all Vincent day long. So so, uh, but it's like, at some point, Richard Gere wanted to be, before he even yeah. knew, before we even knew who Richard Gallo, or, uh, Vincent, Gallo Vincent Gallo was, Richard Gere wanted to be him yeah. early on in his career. So Breathless yeah. is pretty much like Richard Gere's version of Buffalo 66, I would say. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah I, 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 well, you know, mix a little bit of American Gigolo in there too, yeah. as well. I guess so. Yeah. 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 You think Richard Gere ever sold his sperm over the internet? I don't. I. I don't. I, yeah. I don't know. I think that early in the eighties, if he could, he, he probably would have. Yeah. You know what's Definitely. funny is there's probably like you know I don't <laughs> I don't know who who it would be Tom Cruise Richard I bet there's some like famous actor now. That when he was struggling in Hollywood was probably selling his sperm and probably hit. There's like probably oh, some, like a sperm bank. Yeah, there's probably some guy <laughs> who's like super rich and famous now, but when he's broke and he has like a hundred kids and like they don't even know their dad. It's like some famous fucking millionaire guy. Yeah, I feel like Brad Pitt probably did shit like that. Oh yeah, because like, he came from Missouri. He's like whatever. I'll just spunk in a cup. Get right. It. Better than we'll get a memoir Pablo where he'll there. confess to doing that yeah. shit. You know, down the road. So that's weird. <laughs> but, but yeah everybody thanks for listening thank you bat for uh bringing this to the table uh you know the fun city edition kind of put it back into the spotlight so we appreciate them doing a release of it and, yeah yeah and uh i guess that's it so next time we'll see you here soon in the movie graveyard You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.